following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, the tenacious, the titillating, Tyler Dean. Tyler, we're back. Welcome back from vacation. Good to have you on again. How's I love how you, how you just always just assume it's just me on vacation when, in, in fact, this is just more of a, a scheduling issue. I, I don't care if you're working. I don't like supposedly working when you leave town. I, I don't care. To me, you leave town, and it's always going to be a vacation when it comes to Tyler. Captain Vacay, baby. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, welcome back. Uh, Alex Steele filled in for you last time. It's good to have you back. We had a, a hellacious draft. Um, some wild stuff going on in the NFL, man, with, with guys getting moved around and uh, crazy trades happening. Some of these trades in the draft, wow, mind-blowing. Uh, the, the way that some of these guys got moved around, uh, the decisions that were made, I, I, I can't believe some of the players that got moved around in the first round of this draft. Can you? No, there, there's very much, on, and, uh, most day one particularly, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, we we had such a, a crazy experience watching round one, uh, and, and we're we're going to wind up talking about a few of those trades here in a minute. I I just this year's draft was something completely different than what we are used to. I think that that uh, in the first round in particular, I mean we had just and it, we, and we had what was it the most trades I think we've ever seen in the NFL draft in the first round. Am I right? It was wild. Something something close to that. Yeah. I it, it was just insane. And then we also had uh, a record broken by Georgia players taken in the NFL draft too. I mean, that Georgia team was special this year and we know it was something special, but my god, 15 players taken in in the draft overall, a uh, record-breaking performance from that squad. Uh how bad do you think Georgia is going to be this upcoming year now that they've lost all their studs? You know, it it depends. It's, it's, teams like that always seem to to load back up and and, and already have the, the the pieces they need on on the team. So I, I don't think that's gonna be much of an issue. Now, where I think you will see an issue is more Cincinnati, who also had a significant amount of players drafted. Absolutely. But Cincinnati is a team that doesn't usually have the capability of reloading like that. Yeah, as as a team that's not in the SEC or the Big Ten, um, Cincinnati just for them to to reload is going to be extremely difficult and and I don't I don't see them winding up in the like you, you don't see it often a team like that that is uh I I guess not a a significant uh a team generally speaking you don't see them show up in the the top 4 and then just light the world on fire or anything like that like Cincinnati has especially over the last several years a lot of people, even this year, with, even with them having a good record, a really great record, and you know, just killing it all year, because of the the caliber of teams that 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 squad takes on every year, 
they, they don't take on the caliber teams that an SEC team takes on or a Big Ten team takes on. Well, I mean, that's debatable, they, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a different story for a different day as far as scheduling in, in, in NCAA. Right. But a lot of a lot of people really thought that they they didn't belong in the top four this, this year. And, and a lot of folks were still petitioning for other squads to be in the top four. Um, but Cincinnati got the nod. And and they wound up in the top four. Now, granted, I I am glad that they got in. I also have questions about you know the the ranking system, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, at the end of the day, nine players drafted. Yeah, at the end of the Which day, is significant. I, I, I do think they belong there, but I think, it, like you said, it's going to be a much more difficult process reloading that team and get and we're. I don't think it's going to be uh, really. A short amount of time before we see a team on the level of like a Cincinnati winding up in that top four. I, th- I think it's going to be a much longer time than a lot of people understand or appreciate or or know. So it's it's going to be an experience, but we do have yeah, all- a little bit of a fun fact on Cincinnati here. Um, so they had nine players drafted this year and five the year prior. Um, so in the last two years, they've had more players drafted in the NFL in the last two years than from 2011 to 2020 combined. Jeez, oh, Pete, wow. That shows you how, like, the significance of the, the players that they had on that team and the caliber of the players they had on that team. And, and even I, last year's five, it, it goes to show they were, they, were, they were on their way to building. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So, Tyler, we've got some news around the league. I want to talk about some of this stuff. Um, one of them just it came out yesterday. We're going to jump right into to the news from yesterday. The former Bills defensive end, Jerry Hughes, signs with the Houston Texans. Um, you know, Jerry Hughes has been a, a significant factor, especially the last two seasons, last three seasons, really, for the Bills. I thought he was really something special for them. Are you surprised that they didn't bring Jerry Hughes back with this current squad? I, I was. Uh, I uh, yeah, you have certain things where Jets are, are looking very good, and then and there's still some of these head scratching decisions sometimes. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand this. The Bills are are basically on the precipice, I think, of being like the team right now. They, they, as long as they overcome, and right now it's looking like they can. As long as they overcome the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills should be, and and I say should be, a Super Bowl team. As long as they can over, I mean, if they if they beat the Kansas and it's not even just the Chiefs, just the AFC, and then you can even say that I know we're going to talk about it, but a, a lot of the AFC, even in the draft, continued to build. AFC is going to, in a way, you're 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 kind of talking about the AFC championship being kind of a has a has the capability of being a better game than the Super Bowl this year. I agree, and but my thing is like if you if the Buffalo Bills say were to beat the Kansas City Chiefs last year. To me, there's no doubt in my mind that the Buffalo Bills are the AFC champions last year. You know, like that there's no doubt to me. I, I don't oh, think, I, I agree. I don't think Cincinnati goes out and, and beats Buffalo. And I don't care if they beat they beat Kansas City or not. Buffalo has a better defense. Buffalo was was the better squad last season. Uh, on on paper, Buffalo is is the better team than Kansas City. I I don't understand how Kansas City has consistently defeated Buffalo. I I don't understand how Kansas City is like 
the demon that the Bills can't exercise. But to see them lose a guy uh, uh, who, like Jerry Hughes, who has been such a huge part of that defense and a leader for that team, I'm I'm blown away by the fact that they would let him go out the door. And I know there are significant pieces that they brought back, but losing Jerry I think, Hughes, I that think that writing was on the wall when they when they brought in Von Miller. Yeah. Yeah, and that could very well be the case because Jerry Hughes, he was going to be due that that large amount of money and instead they paid Von Miller that large amount of money. So he was probably a cap casualty. But to me, I think the Buffalo Bills, they, they lost a, a great player in Jerry Hughes. And, and the Texans gained a really great one. And I under, But here's the problem. I don't know if the Texans are going to wind up being competitive in the next couple of years. That's, <laughs> and, you know, we, we don't know. We, we don't know if they're going to wind up. Fi- and frankly, let's be real. I mean, Davis Mills, he played decent throughout the, the second half of the season. But, you know, I don't think anybody in, uh, out here believes that Davis Mills is the quarterback of the future. For the Houston Texans. Well, you you kind of did here back end of the year there. Well, in the back you're buying, you're buying the David Davis Mills train for a little bit. Hey man, it's it was tough not to. You know, it's it really is, and and there's still a lot of people out there that believe Davis Mills is the guy. I mean, to me, I I I like Davis Mills. Um, I think Davis Mills for his Stanford pro day, man, I got I can't get over how good of a, a pro day that guy had. I mean, he was out like he's outstanding. I thought in his pro day, I thought he looked like like a stud. Um, but I, I think that a lot what's, of folks- what's funny about this dynamic sometimes is and I, I'm going to make funny a little bit is uh, is, 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 is there's there's such a difference in, in the way me and you look at certain things that I end up overlooking certain guys because I'm always so I'm I'm, I'm just skeptical of everybody. Like you remember, I, I hated Lamar Jackson at first. Yeah. Um, but you are kind of the other extreme where you're kind of the hype guy. Like <laughs> players have players have a tendency of uh, of sometimes you're right, but but sometimes um, creates this like this like false like oh this this guy's gonna be something great. I remember I, I still laugh at how much on the Mike White train you were on for those couple of weeks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and, 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 then when they, and then when they finally fall back to earth, you're like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> they got me again. Yep. Yep. It happens all the time. Um, but, it, you, you know, you, you do get excited for certain players. I, I mean, am I still on the, uh, like, do I feel like Davis Mills could potentially be the guy? I mean, judging by the way he played at the end of the season, it's possible. Sure. If he, and, if he, and, and in his defense, he, he doesn't got a lot of talent around him to help him right now. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough go. If uh, I want to see what happens. I want to see what happens with Davis Mills, if he flounders, if he if he flourishes, if he learns. Who knows? But that that's kind of what it is. Um, and, and as far as Mike White goes, you know, let me let me just point out that that game that he had was outstanding. I guess. Oh, yeah. The team. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Mike White. I liked him at the time. I mean, he fell apart since then, but he had he had his spinach that day, then forgot to take it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But speaking of these kids, speaking of players that I get excited about that are hit, the Rams former Rams running back Sony Michelle he signs with the Dolphins on a one year, two point one million dollar deal. Not a starting running back, Sony Michelle gets a deal, with and he the- won't be. He will be the fourth string running back there. Unfortunate. So. There, 
Dolphins de- running, and, and I'm not even saying this to, to shit on Sony Michelle. No, Dolphins depth chart yeah, is, is stacked as Texans was last year. Right yeah, now. yeah, that, that backfield is, is like, stacked. I want to see, you know, who's going to wind up getting that starting nod. I, I, I want to believe it's Chase Edmonds. That's what I was thinking. Um, Mostert could, but then Edmonds and most, and this is where Mich- Michelle comes into play and even potentially Gaskins is the Edmonds and Mostert have had, have, have what in common? A series of injuries. Yes. Yeah. And they, they both Gaskins have- proved to not be the guy. Really? We can, we can, I expect Mostert to be the guy more than I do Edmonds, to be honest. And with that's, you. and that's entirely possible. Because you remember Raheem Mostert blew up with San Francisco. If you yep. and, and this is a, a team that's run by a former San Francisco offensive coordinator, he might have his guy in Raheem Mostert, and I think he might believe that he has a guy. Oh, he knows my system over there. So that that could be an interesting dynamic. I personally believe that Raheem Mostert is the day one starter, but I don't think Raheem Mostert survives, uh, you know, longer than than you know, a few games. I mean, he's, he's always had a tendency of going down pretty early and those knee injuries and those ACL tears are something pretty significant, uh, in his situation. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. I, I, I think I almost kind of see a, a running back by committee, mostly yeah. by Mostert and Edmonds. It could go that way. I think, I, I do think, and Edmonds has had, you know, last year he had a series of ed- injuries too. So, you know, I, I have questions about, about the durability of those two. You could see Sony Michelle, like you said, become the starter by proxy, you know, just based on, on the injuries and the lack of durability of the other two starters. Um, a guy that also enters a pretty crowded backfield, the Ravens go out and sign Mike Davis to a one-year deal. I know you hate this deal. Uh, I don't blame you, but uh, Mike Davis get signed to a one-year contract over here and they made room for him for the record. I mean, they, they went out and, and released. And, uh, yeah. Uh, withdrew, withdrew their, uh, uh, whatchamacallit. Their tender there. I think for a team that runs so successfully, I, I think Taysom Williams, unfortunately wouldn't prove that he's not the guy. Right. He had that one good game, but other than that, I, um, his lackluster performance is ultimately what proved that Ravens went out and they go, oh, we got to, we need to go and just sign every, every veteran possible because Tyson Williams can't handle the load. See, I don't, I don't know that Tyson Williams couldn't handle the load. I was confused at a certain point when Tyson Williams, like, okay, he had that one great game and then he was hardly used. It, it seemed like Tyson Williams just got like, it was, it was, it's like, the kid that drops uh, uh, Woody and goes after the Buzz Lightyear toy, you know, like he, they're like, ah, yeah, thanks for the one game. I don't want to play with you anymore. And I'm not even sure if it was, if that one game was really even great. Cause on the year, he only had 135 yards. Yeah. I, I mean, that might be the case too. I thought he had a pretty solid game. Um, and, and Tyson Williams, he didn't really get utilized after that game, that one game, he didn't really get utilized at all. It was like, okay, well, why, why not Tyson Williams? We, we thought, you and I both thought after that game that that kid could be this, the next guy. Oh, yeah. And, and it turned out he just kind of sat on the bench. <laughs> I, think, I think part of it, too, is, is I think the Ravens know that, they, that ultimately they're going to be going back to 
Dobbins and or Edwards. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think that's, the, I mean, they may not be here for OTAs, but I, mean, I don't think neither, neither player, neither of those two players is going to need OTAs. But right. I, I, I think that's kind of what they're thinking. And, and Davis kind of just serves as, as just extra depth for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that might be, cause know, I don't, I don't think the Ravens um maintain five running backs. So the game he had, um, and there, there was a two game stretch he had and, and that the Ravens were utilizing him significantly. It was against the Raiders where he had nine attempts for 65 yards and a 7.2 average and a touchdown. And then in the next game against the chiefs, he had 13 carries for 77 yards. He had a 5.9 average. That's now good. that those are two really, really good games. And then after that, he goes and he has five carries against the lions for 22 yards and a 4.4 average, still very good. And then he has four carries against the Colts, two carries against the Bengals, one against the Browns, one against the Steelers. So they really, they, they stopped utilizing him after those two games. And, and that's where I'm, I'm kind of like, wait a minute. Why, why did you stop utilizing him? Why I think would- part of it is they did have Freeman and Bell on the roster at that point. But neither were ready to, ready to 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 play yet, so I, I think they were only really utilizing Taysom until they had the running backs they wanted to use available. Right, and it looks like he was used in in uh, week uh, let's see, week two and week three were the the two weeks that he was utilized, and that was it. And they they never gave him the opportunity. It was they just never- such a crowded because they had Bell, they had Murray, they had Freeman. Right. I, I think it just got to a point of just overcrowding. I get it, but I I, I see a guy getting 13 carries, 77 yards in a five. Oh, I I agree with you. Then at that point, I'm like, why isn't this a 20 carry guy? You know what, what's the what's the problem here? Because the next week he only gets five carries against Detroit. So it it begs the question: what what is the problem with Tyson Williams when when he gets a 5.9 average and has th- 13 carries for 77 yards. And you can't, you, I would be giving that guy 21, 22 carries a game at that point. You know, it just, it seems silly. It seemed like a silly release, especially for, you know, and I was, I was big on Mike Davis in the last year's off season. Now I'm like, eh, okay, I get it. But now we're signing Mike Davis over Tyson Williams. I'd rather have Williams to me. Williams should land somewhere. This is one of those situations where you and I see a guy, and and I believe that this is like an Alfred Morris situation, where where Alfred Morris was. Oh, I didn't quite that bad. Well, it's not that bad, obviously, but but I I do feel like it's it's kind of on that level where you get a guy that's clearly having himself a great game, and the team is just like, nah, get out of here. Is the guy's clearly going to be a good player if used properly? Nah, nah, nah I don't want him. Get him out of here. The Ravens are always so big on their rushing attack, they get a guy that can that can handle it. No, I don't want to use him. Like that's that's kind of what I'm seeing here. He's on the surface. I I I know exactly what you mean. I don't know. It's it's weird. I I, I think part of it is just because of just all their talent coming back. I think maybe maybe there just wasn't a place for what they wanted to pay him. I don't know. And you, you guys have Mike. Like, what do you make of Mike Davis at this point? I mean, I know you weren't big on him. I'm, uh, I'm still not 100 percent convinced he makes the team. Okay. And he very much could. Um, 
I think it because I, I I like I said I don't think they take five six seven running backs into the season. <clears throat> yeah, I mean I I um, don't do that, but there are players that I think aren't aren't as good as Mike Davis. I don't think Mike Davis is some sort of stud, but uh, I mean there are players on that team where I I look at him and go ah, I think Mike Davis could make this squad. It's uh, I I think it comes down to uh, him and Justice Hill, um because even. Even though both are better than Tyler Batty because we because he's a rookie we haven't seen him yet I I I think you'd agree with me I, it'd be very rare and probably extremely unlikely that that um Tyler Batty doesn't make the team as a as a as a rookie six rounder it's possible given his draft pick you know we we've seen guys get cut that are that are higher level draft picks I mean he was what a six round guy right yeah I mean and that's kind of where it's at I. We've seen guys that are fifth and fourth rounders get cut, you know. I, which, I want which is true, but it, it is on their rarer side. And Batty really didn't do anything as far as like he's more of a change of pace back than anything. Uh, I don't know that you guys well, need a change of pace back over there. I don't uh, know that's necessarily true, but I mean he's still got a lot to prove. I mean, he had his one good year in his senior year. Other than that, I'm nothing to write home about. Well. Here's the thing about about the senior year. It was a change of pace. Uh, it was all his scrimmage yards and a lot of stuff getting caught well, up. Sixteen hundred yards were on the ground in his senior year. Yes. Hang on a minute. Hang yeah, on. On the on the ground, he had sixteen hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns. Hang on a minute. I'm gonna. I want to look at this because if I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't. He wasn't the starter for his first three years, but his senior year is when he is yeah. when he really blew up. Four thirty-seven, four fifty-seven, two forty-two, two sixty-eight carries and sixteen hundred and four yards. I mean, okay, in the in the SEC. So you think that he winds up being the guy? No, I don't necessarily say that. I just I I, I don't think he gets cut from this this squad, which 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 which, which is why I'm saying I, I think. The odd man out ends up being Davis or Justice Hill, and it's probably gonna be, probably going to be Justice Hill because Justice Hill's proven to not be anything worth of value. Dealing with the ACL tear. That that too. <laughs> I mean, the ACL tear on top of not being very good. Right. Yeah. No. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not I'm not backing Tyler Batty here. I, I'm I I don't think he's going to rip his way into the starting lineup at all. I just I, I I'm just Speaking for the stance of I, I I don't envision them cutting 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 him over over Davis or or Hill especially. Right. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, I'm I'm looking because, at this because head. one good year one, it it was a good year but one good year is not enough to convince me he's going to be some sort of world beater. So I, I'm looking at his numbers and and I just want to I want to point out this. Take a look at the teams they faced. And, you know, I know everybody gives the SEC all kinds of credit, and that's that's great. Good for them. Here's the thing. His, he had a 203-yard performance against Central Michigan. He had, you're, 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 you're preaching to the choir here. I'm, 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 on, I'm on your side on this one. Uh, I, I think the numbers are blown up more, more than, they, than, they, than right. reality. 209 performance against North, North, Test, North Texas. Um. 254 performance against Vanderbilt, uh, South Carolina. He took them on. He had a 209 yard performance. 
the the only two that to me bear any significance and really even they, those are questionable Arkansas he had a 219 yard performance against Arkansas and he had a 146 yard performance against Florida so he had he had one two six big performances on the year and four of them came against junk teams and one of them came against a team where you know I can legitimately say or, or two of them I can say you know these these teams were decent so I, oh, yeah. I don't no, I, I I don't I don't mind the guy as as a sixth round pick, but I think that's really all he's going to be is just that sixth round pick that turns into a depth player. Right. Yeah, that's I I agree with you there. I I don't think he goes any further than that. But I I I didn't see his uh, senior year there. I actually I looked at it, I don't know why I I must have glazed over his his one good year, but. <laughs> Yeah, Tyler which, ben- which which probably which probably makes him him getting drafted when he did a, a little bit more. Okay, now I understand a little bit more because we were right. talking about it yesterday. It's like, why was he even? He shouldn't even in the seventh round with with what we thought it was. Right, right, right. right. I know we were talking yesterday about like a high school performance. Like, it's like nah, I'm glad I looked up this one. Like, oh, we missed something. Yeah, yeah. I was I was confused by it, um, but now it it makes a little more sense. Um, also, speaking of the Ravens, they're beginning to show interest in Jarvis Landry, the wide receiver getting released from uh, that's, Browns. That's been one of the bigger stories of the last week. It's, um, I don't know what Landry's interest is. We haven't heard that side of the story yet, but Ravens seem to have some interest. Well, yeah, I'd be interested in Jarvis Landry. I mean, oh, for sure. Cleveland. Um, you know, the Ravens, I expected you guys to get a wide receiver in this draft. Um, and, and it really was like the time wasn't right. That That's what your, your GM continues to say. That the time wasn't right to get get another receiver. Um, you guys wind up filling some needs. You guys wind up filling a safety in the corner and the center and the outside linebacker roles, and that's all fine. But that receiver re- is a huge hole. Yep, and and on top of it, what receiver was already weak in the first place. You guys needed more receivers and receiver depth. But then Marquise Hollywood Brown gets traded to the Raven or to the uh, Cardinals in the middle of the draft. So you guys lose Hollywood on top of it. So this Jarvis Landry move begins to make sense. Uh, yeah. And you know, when it comes to the Ravens receiver depth, um, it is an issue. Um, but on one end of it, I, I, I do truthfully believe that Bateman with the full season actually having a training camp is going to make a huge jump this year, especially with Hollywood being gone. Yeah. Cause he I, looked, he looked good. And when he, when he, when he finally got his drive late in the season. Yeah. He's, um, was what we expected him to be we expected yeah. him to be a, a possession receiver and that's what he turned into and actually he turned out to be your best receiver last year i believe and now granted we still need someone to, to to um to spread the field out which is what we lost in hollywood but did i like hollywood yeah i did i'm not, I'm not gonna lie but was was he was he some great deep threat receiver no he had he had hands issues yep exactly but now i don't like the receiver by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he was a good return guy, but I think with with the proper training camp, with the proper practices, and 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 if he was able to develop properly, he doesn't got to be great. But if he, I, I think with the speed that Duvernay has, he has the capability of sort of filling that role. I don't think he necessarily will, but I, I think he has. He's going to be given a shot to do so, and and I think he's shown strides that he can, but he's got a lot of work to, 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 to actually prove that. Yeah, I don't 
I don't buy Duvernay. I think as a return guy. Okay. I think yeah, return guy. He he was great. I think he was one one of the top one of the top three last year. But as a receiver, there's still a lot to be desired. Yeah, I I think he's he's kind of entering that uh, Cordero Patterson type realm there, where you know your which hope, would work in yeah, Baltimore's system. That his speed is going to be able to take the top off the defense, and and I don't really think that he's capable. But Jarvis Landry is a guy that I think that if the Ravens brought him in, he completely changes the dynamic of the Ravens' offense. And I, I really think it gives uh, Lamar a really special weapon. Given the issue the, Now the issue with Landry is if you bring Landry in, you now are in a situation to where you're a top three targets uh, that make it Landry, Bateman, and Andrews Right, um, are all possession guys. Yeah. This becomes a very possession type um, pass game, that which might not be a bad thing. Which might not be a bad thing because um, while it, I, I kind of roll my eyes at the uh, at how the jokes about Lamar's um, passing abilities still remain, even though like he is from an accuracy standpoint has gotten better every year. Yeah, he's shown it's, up. It's 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 weird that we're still talking about like, like how, how often you go on Twitter and they're like, like, oh, you mean Ravens running back? <laughs> um, it's gotten old. Because- I think. His deep ball accuracy has been okay, but it, it, it has a lot of room for improvement. But as having three possession type players could bold well for this pass game. Yeah, there there were several occasions last year where you know, and, and like I said, he he proved otherwise. He showed the world that that okay, I'm going to improve my accuracy. I mean, I remember you know a couple years ago when we, we we he came out as a rookie and we questioned his accuracy, and then the next year he was a very accurate quarterback. They led the league in touchdown passes and yeah and 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 yeah. and because and the wild thing is is um I think what a lot of people forget about with all the buzz of just the Chiefs and Brady and Rodgers and and then the Lamar injury um up to that injury um on this show and in, in on ESPN and Lamar was in the in the conversation for MVP in last season yeah he was for and- for, a, for a very brief period of time but I it. It's it's easy to forget the kind of stuff just got because I mean when 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 stuff like that happens, everyone moves on. Yeah, and and we we how many times did we see and we always talk about we we were just talking about Hollywood having a problem with with catching the ball. How many, mm-hmm. there were so many occasions where where Lamar hit him in the hands. I mean in Detroit for God's sakes, I mean Lamar hit him in the hands and he dropped that ball like three I mean, times. Like, yeah, and the Vikings he he hit him in the hands and he dropped passes. I mean we saw it week over week over week. Um, it, it's, you're 100% right. And, and so I, I don't believe that, um, you know, the, the Lamar running back jokes, I, I believe those have gotten old, but I don't believe that, that Lamar has an accuracy issue under any circumstances, but the possession receiver thing, I think that changes a lot of that narrative because I don't think Hollywood, um, and his butterfingers were, were good for Lamar. And- you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Hollywood Brown is Walmart Torrey Smith. Basically, yeah. And yeah. Torrey Smith, what he was good as as a deep threat number two guy, never as the as the as the sole threat receiver. And yep. Hollywood's not even as good as Torrey Smith. I agree. I agree, hundred percent. At least Torrey had had consistent thousand yard seasons. Hollywood needed a seventeenth game to barely break it. Right. Right, I'm. I'm just not. I'm not sold on him either. And you can't pin that on the fact that that Lamar Jackson was a quarterback, because Mark Andrews had no problem doing that. Exactly. So, so that's. 
I, I think in, in Hollywood going over to, to Arizona, do you think he's going to wind up being a better fit over there? I think that. And- yes, because of the uh, history between him and, and uh, Kyler. Yeah, and I also think that he's going to get a, a really big opportunity to be the number one. I think the the Cardinals sort of made a, a knee-jerk move there getting uh, Hollywood based on – I think they knew that the suspension from DeAndre was coming. From DeAndre. For sure, for sure. And that brings me to my next thing. DeAndre Hopkins gets suspended for six games for violating the team's uh, PED uh, uh, protocols there. He goes and fails his uh, drug test. So the NFL goes ahead and suspends him six games. I think this kills Arizona for those first six games. I think Hollywood's going to have to, if they can escape those first six games, three and three, I think Arizona's got a shot to make the playoffs. And I think they become very dangerous. Because we know exactly what this team looked like when when, when Hopkins went down last year. Right. I, I think that this team becomes far more dangerous. This actually could be doing them a favor, really, if you think about it. Hopkins doesn't play those six games, but okay, he basically gets a six-game vacation, and then he gets to come back. If they walk out of that situation three and three, and then you have Hollywood and DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray, and then you and then you still got uh Rondell Moore and AJ Green lingering, and Connor, James Connor over there, and I mean, it's yeah. This this team becomes dangerous, right? I I think that Arizona suddenly is is looking like oh oh shit they could they could come into the playoffs and do some damage. Mm-hmm. So I mean it, that that could be doing them a favor given the age of DeAndre Hopkins and the fact that he's getting older, but also the fact that he's an injury prone guy right now. I mean technically speaking, he's he's had you know some season ending injuries in the past, right? We'll have more clarity on if it was a favor or not in in about eight hours. Right. When the schedule right. comes out, when you see what those first six games look like. Yeah. I mean, if it if it turns out to be a situation where they can walk out of that with, with you know, like I said, a three and three record, a couple of wins, uh, you might be talking about Arizona being being a. But imagine a, if uh, if they have some easy opponents in those first six and they can walk out five and one. Right. That makes it even worse. So, I mean, you, you got to you got to be uh, and, and they're in a very tough division. I get they're in a very tough division. This this could be doing them a favor down the line, really, because if DeAndre Hopkins gets to come in six games in with a winning record, and then he can stay healthy for ten games, less of a chance of him getting hurt, ten eleven games rather. So I mean, that that makes a a world of difference for Arizona. So this might be actually doing them a favor, but DeAndre Hopkins does get suspended for the six games. Um, the first six games of the year. So there's that. Uh, also, the Giants, they go out and release James Bradbury. So the Giants released the corner James Bradbury after shopping him around. I'm a little confused by this move. I know he didn't have a good year last year. He was he, It was a down year for him compared to when he was with Carolina. But I'm a little confused by this move. Look, I understand they were shopping him. I understand he's a cap casualty. I understand he had a down year. But you just changed regimes over there like i don't understand why why they're releasing this guy he's a good corner and i think any team that picks him up on free agency is going to get a good corner i mean well what are you what are we doing here i uh, tyler i don't get it. i don't know giants continue to do giants things yeah i don't i don't get it guy gets signed last year has one down year and they let him walk 
seems senseless. It's just like a senseless move. Um, but James Bradbury, where do you think he lands somewhere before the beginning of the season? And if he does land, do you think he returns to his Carolina Panthers form? I think he does. I think so too. And I think he gets a, a decent paycheck for it too. I mean, somebody's going to go out and be like, oh, here, have a, have a one-year deal for $4 million. He's already going to be making the guaranteed money from the Giants. I, I just, it doesn't make much sense to me. They just let him go, and I, I don't know. I, if I was a, a team that needed a corner right now, I'd be going after James Bradbury. He'd be sure. one of the guys I went after. Just seems silly. Uh, speaking of corners that guys went after, I mean, the Chargers, man, continuing to make moves. They signed former Broncos corner Bryce Callahan to a one-year, $1.1 million deal. I like this signing. I think it's smart. They, they uh, you know, get get a, another corner. They add to that defensive backfield. Smart play, right? Well, then they also go out and sign linebacker Kyle Van Noy to a one-year, $2.25 million deal. So the Chargers continuing to bolster that defense. Um, both these guys have come out and said they're extremely happy happy to be playing with the Chargers. I think the Chargers are arguably the most dangerous team in the AFC moving into this upcoming season, and they're quietly doing it. I mean, don't you? I mean, what what do you make of this? I wouldn't say they're even quietly doing it. Chargers are looking brutal right now. Yeah, I mean, they're making moves, and and but the thing is, is nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's saying, "Oh man, look at them Chargers! Look at look at those moves those Chargers are making!" Like nobody's talking about this. They have bolstered their defense so much, and they've done it. I mean, like those are two contracts: Bryce Callahan for one point one, Kyle Van Noy for two point two five. That's that's those are significant contracts for super cheap. You're getting good players. I mean, Kyle Van Noy is coming off of a a Patriots defense where he was one of their leaders. I mean, this is, this is wild to me. And the fact that they're, they're able to do it on the cheap. I think the chargers are making a play right now and saying, fuck this missing the playoff stuff at the last game of the year. I'm done with it. We got a QB on a rookie contract. Let's make this thing happen. I, I really think that they're trying to make a play to get this thing done in the next three years with Justin Herbert. Don't you? Oh, for sure. And we've talked we talked about um getting that Super Bowl on a rookie contract. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the most common way to do it in in today's NFL, and that's kind of where we're headed. I I I believe that this is this is one of those things where where the Chargers are looking like like a potential Super Bowl team. Uh they they're definitely going to be in contention in the next if not this year and the next three years, because they're going to continue pressing the issue um, coming up here. So I, I, you got to be stoked for them. I I'm fired up about it. Uh, also in that same division, the Raiders, this is something that, that happened sort of during the draft. We, we, you and I were talking about it. They declined the fifth year options for defensive end Clayton Farrell, which I, I understand Farrell, but here's the two that got me. Running back Josh Jacobs and defensive back Jonathan Abraham all had their fifth-year options declined. The one I'm most surprised about is the Josh Jacobs uh, move. How do you see a guy 
who's been a top 10 rusher for you. And I understand there's probably injuries involved and whatever the case may be, but you've got a running back who's been a top 10 guy for you and you're just going to decline his fifth year option. I I don't understand this move at all. I feel like the Raiders then they are go making... and draft Zamir White. Right. I and and I don't get me wrong, I like Zamir White. But do I think Zamir White's gonna be Josh Jacobs? Like is is that the expectation here? Because if that's the expectation, I I'm not buying it. I don't believe Zamir White's gonna be Josh Jacobs by any stretch of the imagination. And no, then Josh I Jacobs. And then, and and you and I were talking off the air yesterday with, with the guys and everything, and we kind of said, "Hey, you know, if, if Josh Jacobs uh, winds up getting his fifth year option decline, and then they well, they could resign him to a, a long term deal. Well, yeah, that's fine. I just don't understand those type of moves where it's like, oh, we're going to decline his fifth year option, and then we're going to resign him to more money and take up more cap space. Well." It, it may not be more money though, because usually that fifth year option is that 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 number hikes up to like I, I, it's like, I think it's usually right around top five in the position. Yeah, it's the average. It's the average for the the top five. I think it is, but but my, he's, my not, he, he's not going to garner top five in the league dollars. So you may pay him it, less. I I don't know that they they're going to wind up paying him less though. That's the thing. I mean, like like the way that. The NFL is going in the way that salaries are climbing right now. I mean, and and I get it. If they didn't want to pay him that money, fine. But I think Josh Jacobs next year, if they don't re-sign him, he hits free agency and blows the fuck up, dude. I think Josh Jacobs is going to have himself a hell of a year um, this year. And and he's going to go out in free agency and get monster money. That's That's where I think that's going, barring an injury. I mean... If if he stays healthy and does what he does and walks out with a thousand plus and everything that that he normally does and that we expect him to do, I think he gets big money. I think we're talking thirteen, fourteen million, don't you? Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, given given where the market's trending, I think that's that's kind of where he's going. He's going to be getting top five money, and and he'll be he'll be getting right in the range of Zeke at that point. So I, I think that's that's kind of where it's going. Uh, speaking of guys who are going to get paid big money at some point here and don't want to be running backs, uh, the Kyle Shanahan says that the 49ers fielded trades for wide receiver Debo Samuel, but nothing even came close. Debo Samuel, is he a 49er after this year? No. Is he a holdout this year? No. You don't think so? I don't think he'll hold out. What makes you think that? Because I think uh, I think the players start to realize that holding out does you no favors. Yeah, kinda. It's, I, it's I, done nobody favors in the last few years. I think the only I mean I remember Vincent Jackson's holdout was a big one, and it did him a favor. He got he got a nice big fat contract um, after that but holdout. He did, but he didn't end up missing games. I don't believe. When he held out. Didn't he, didn't he just hold out during like off off season? <clears throat> oh no, the first ten weeks of the season. Was it that long? Yep, he was forced to come back in week eleven because that was the only way that he was uh, allowed to get paid. You at least had to come back by week eleven, otherwise you were not getting paid for the season. So he did show up for the last six games of the year, but that's when when the Chargers uh, season was already in the shitter. 
So then he went to the the free agency, and then the Buccaneers the Buccaneers signed him to a new deal. But the uh, there are players that'll hold out, and this will happen. And and I Debo right now is about as stubborn as they get, and I don't blame him. He doesn't want to be a running back, and they're using him as a running back. Um, I think the 49ers' big play here, to be honest with you, I think they're trying to use him more as a running back so they can try and pay him running back money. Because obviously the receiver market is blowing up in a big way. And I think the 49ers are going to be like, well, we use you as a running back. It's kind of like like the flip side of the offensive weapon argument, you know, where, where teams were, were trying to, to pay less money to, to – Jimmy Graham the one year because he's a tight end and he was saying, well, I want to, I'm used as a receiver. I want to get paid as a receiver. And now the, the ownership is trying to use it to their advantage. And the player's like, no, 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 no. You're not paying me. Like I'm a running back. I'm not getting paid 15 million. I'm a wide receiver. You're going to pay me my 30. And I don't blame Debo for expecting that, but I, oh, for I, sure. I do think the 49ers are trying to pull a fast one here. And I think Debo has recognized that especially after last year's fiasco where they had him doing all that work out of the backfield. Um, that's where I think this is headed, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, that's, that's what it sounds like to me. I, I think the 49ers are just trying to save a buck. I mean, that's it. And, and, who can and on one them? end, you can't blame them. That's what you're supposed to do. But another end, the can't risk losing talent either. Right. And you, you can't just, you can't treat your players like that. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of those times where like you're you're treating a player like shit, and then you're expecting him to want to like play for you when you're trying to pull a fast one on him and basically cost the guy fifteen million dollars a year. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, I think the four that's a shady move by the 49ers. I think I think they were trying to be very sly about it, but it was a shady move um, on their end, and they also. They did resign the corner, uh, Jason Verrett, to a one-year extension. Um, I think Verrett's a good corner as long as he's healthy, but he's never freaking healthy. I, do, I still don't understand the move of bringing him back because the guy's never never healthy. I mean, am I missing something here? Not at all. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's – every time I talk about Jason Verrett, he's hurt. Like, every time he gets brought up on the show, we're like, oh, Jason Verrett got hurt again. Like, <laughs> it's all the time. Not wrong. I mean, it's constant. So, I mean, I don't know. Jason Verrett gets re-signed to a one-year extension. He'll be back with the 49ers for four games next year before he tears his ACL again. Um, so we'll, it'll, we'll it'll be preseason. That. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, another corner that's going to be in that NFC West picture, the Rams acquire corner Troy Hill from the Browns for a 2023 fifth-round pick. This is more of a depth move. I think Troy Hill's a good corner. But this is a depth move. I think he's more of either either a number three sl- slot sometimes kind of guy. I don't think Troy Hill is going to be anything majorly significant, especially for a Rams team that that has some pretty good corners uh, on that squad, don't you? Don't you think? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of where it's headed there. Um, also, Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll says he doesn't see the team – making a trade for anybody at the quarterback position that this team it's it's starting to look like we're about to enter drew lock territory don't you think he's about as senile as you are i i i'm i'm sorry like like you think i'm a crazy person here for it but it i think they're saying they're entering drew lock territory that's what it sounds like to me 
I think that's what he thinks is going to happen. But then, <laughs> but, then, but then when training camp and preseason start, he's going to realize that he's the worst quarterback on, on, on the roster. Now, one thing I do have to point out, and, and on, on the last show you said it, and uh, the last show you were on, uh, that you said this, that Geno Smith played well. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. Geno Smith did not play well. He was bad. He was absolutely bad. 68.4 completion percentage, 702 yards, five touchdowns and a pick. He did have 103 rating. Here's the problem. He still did not play well. That's over a very significant stretch of games that he played. Geno Smith did not play well. There were a lot of games there where he didn't do shit. And like zeros on the board didn't do shit. Geno Smith was was not um, special last year by any stretch of the imagination. That's um, better, it's better stats than Drew Locke would have done. <laughs> you just hate Drew Locke. So Drew Locke would have been would have been the same stat line, but one touchdown to five interceptions. Yeah, I mean, I, at least at least Gino doesn't make mistakes. I well, mean, Gino in that stretch 10, of games, 17, twenty-three for thirty-two, twelve for twenty-two, twenty for twenty-four. He had 131 yards, 209 yards, 167 yards, and 195 yards. He did not do anything spectacular uh, for that team. I think Pete Carroll, and then the rest of the season, he didn't play. I don't think he did anything spectacular to merit, you know, saying he played well. He's a backup, and I'd be surprised if he wound up starting for this team at all. I mean, if, 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 if you really want to go there, do you want to talk about these six games in which Drew Locke started and uh, had a very similar stat line? I'm not saying Drew Locke is much better, but I think he's entering Drew Locke territory. I really do. Oh, I, I think Pete Carroll is going to try to go the Drew Locke route, but Drew Locke ends up being the third quarterback on that list. You under Eason. Under Eason. you believe he winds up behind Jacob Eason at this point? Yes. Oh, God. Oh, God. Jacob Eason was a, a disaster last year. An absolute disaster. Yep. He made us both look really dumb, just like Jake Fromm yep. did. Yes, he did. <laughs> no. I think Drew Locke, he's going to be two or higher, but I think they're they're getting ready to enter that Drew Locke territory. And, I mean, like, look, if I'm Seattle, I'm not fired up about starting Drew Locke. If I'm Seattle, now it's it's starting to look like, okay, either we're going to make a move for Baker Mayfield or we're just banking on 23. On, on the, the, the I think they're banking on 23 plan. at this point. Yeah, I. but the idea of them starting Drew Locke this upcoming year, right. I, maybe Pete Carroll in his old age getting a little wacky, but I would have been either drafting a quarterback or something in this draft class. I Something would have happened. But it turns out that that they didn't do that. <laughs> so that that's looking like a thing. Also, the linebacker, K.J. Wright, he's hoping for a reunion with the Seahawks. Do you see that happening? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I He's out. He's a free agent. I could see it. It, it, it makes sense. I mean, given the circumstances and, and the way the, the, the players they've lost, I mean, especially at the linebacker position and on that defense and KJ Wright. I, I, if I was the Seahawks, I'd be considering it. I mean, you could probably at this point of free agency get him on a one-year deal for cheap, right? Yeah, yeah. You, uh, he, he wouldn't cost you too much. 
I, I don't think he would. Yeah, I think it'd be a good signing. Yeah, I think that'd be a really good signing. I think he's good. He's a good linebacker. I mean, this that would be a smart play. I I would do it. I would make that move if I'm the if I'm Seattle. I'm making that call because he knows the system. He's a good player. He fills a linebacker role that you need filled. It just it would make a lot of sense. But you know maybe. Maybe this is one of those things that makes too much sense to you and I because Seattle has always made weird moves or refused to make the smart move, and here we are. So we'll see what happens with old K.J. Wright, but, I mean, if he wants to go back to Seattle and Seattle's all about having him, I think it would be a smart play by them. Uh, A team that actually I think made a really, really smart play here and got away with one was the Saints. They go out and sign Tyron Matthew to a three-year, $33 million contract. The Saints continuing to find a way to dig themselves out of cap hell and make significant signings on top of it. It's craziness to me. Tyron Matthew gets $11 million a year. Um, I, I think the Saints locked down that safety position after uh, losing their guy to your Ravens there. So what do you think of, of this move? I think it's a smart one. Um, for for the for the contract, it was amazing. I thought it was a really good value for for oh, Tyron yeah. Matthew, even with him coming off of two years where where he didn't perform up to what you expect. I think this is significant value for him, and I think that this is a good spot because they they have a defensive coordinator there who likes to who understands how to use defensive backs, um, especially of his caliber. I think this is really just a brilliant move. For the Saints, sure. and like I said, somehow they they continue to make these significant signings. Even this one kind of being on the cheap side for him, it's a good value. But they took that eleven million dollars. Like like these guys were like ninety million in the red at the beginning of the beginning of the off season. I don't know how they're doing this. Last year too, they're finding a way to figure it out. I don't get it. It just doesn't make sense. Like, they have dug their way out multiple times. Lots of restructures. I get they're kicking the can down the road. But, man, man, I don't know how the hell they're getting this done. Um, they also expect over there in New Orleans, Jameis Winston to start week one after his ACL tear in 2021. So they're expecting Jameis Winston to be their week one starter. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I mean, Jameis, he played okay for him. He understands the system. That's great. Do you think this is the last year we see Jameis Winston in that New Orleans Saints uniform? Probably. I think so, too. I think they're going to draft one in this this upcoming draft if if they can get high enough. I don't know that they're going to. In seven games, though, he had 1,100 yards, and, and, and his, he was 14-3 to three touchdown interception ratio. He, he played pretty good. Yeah, but I. I his accuracy wasn't always there, but. I, I think he's a stopgap quarterback for them. Oh, no, that's, that's without a doubt. Yeah, and, and so that's where I think it's headed. I think he's done with the Saints after the season, but I think they're going to draft one of those 2023 first-round quarterbacks. And, and they may even, I mean, they have the draft capital. They may even come up and, and snag one. But I, I was surprised they didn't snag a quarterback in this draft, to be honest. I, I thought maybe they would pick especially, one up here. Especially for the, all the ones that dropped so far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was only one quarterback that didn't drop. <laughs> that was it. And even even where he got picked, was somewhat of a drop. So, I mean, it's, it, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if they don't go into the 2023 draft and start planning for the future in new Orleans. I, I, I could see that happening. Um, speaking of teams that built for the future with that, uh, quarterback 
let's talk about these Titans. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, he was shocked by the A.J. Brown trade, um, and he said he doesn't feel it's his job to mentor Malik Willis, who is drafted by the team in, what, the third round, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Tannehill being shocked by the A.J. Brown trade. Shit, I was shocked by the A.J. Brown trade. A.J. Brown gets traded to the Eagles in the middle of the first round of the NFL draft. Um, I was shocked by that move, but I think that the Eagles became significantly more dangerous. In the meantime, the Titans go out and, and fill that role by by drafting a wide receiver. We'll talk about that shortly, but Ryan Tannehill here. I think he looks like not a team player. I think he's mm-hmm. nervous. words. Yep, and and uh, I think I think this is a situation where he is he he's basically done himself in over there with with the Titans. I think Malik Willis is going to wind up being the starter for the Tennessee Titans at some point this year. And the I don't fans think it'll are, be this season. You don't think so? It'll, it'll, um, Tannehill will, will start the year, and then he'll be um, given his papers. You think he gets through the whole season? Yes. Wow. They are the, oh. they are the, they are the number one team in the AFC without Derrick Henry, without A.J. Brown for a significant part of the season. Um, right. it, Tannehill's going to be the guy for this season. You have no reason to go otherwise. I think that that a lot of it, most of it, was how good the defense played for Titans down the stretch. True. I mean, they, they, they it wasn't, a, it, and, and I think you and I have had this discussion on this show before. This was not a Ryan Tannehill thing. This was a Tennessee Titans defense thing. And the defense, like Tannehill sort of, he was a game manager, so that's fine. But he was not great by any stretch of the imagination. I, I believe that that Titans defense was the reason that this team wound up in the position that it wound up in, especially the the front seven. Man, their front seven was out, outstanding this year. They were out of this world. So I have questions about it. But ultimately, um, Ryan Tannehill, I agree with you. He'll start. But, I mean, it takes one injury. And a lot of people, it wouldn't surprise me if people were out there calling for uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill to be benched if he doesn't play well immediately, because if he if he starts slow, people are going to want to see Malik Willis. And you, you, I, you, I don't think you can. I mean, you're you're trying to compete in the AFC. Malik Willis isn't ready for that. And whether whether or not that's true, I mean, we'll see. But people are going to start calling for him. You know, it's going to happen. I mean, it's gonna be. It was the same thing with Lamar. It was the same thing with with when Baker Mayfield came out. It was. I mean, I'm waiting for it. I don't I think, think people are gonna be calling for him because they're gonna they're gonna be like ten and two. And that's quite quite possibly maybe a thing, but we're gonna find out. I I I could see it happening. I think I think Ryan Tannehill's on the hot seat right now, uh, given those comments, and also given you know the fact that people are clamoring to see Malik Willis. So we're gonna find out. Uh, another team that is excited to see a player, Grady Jarrett, the defensive tackle. He gets re-signed to a three-year, $51 million extension with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it's $17 million per year. Grady Jarrett, what do you make of him? What do you think of him? I, I uh, like Jarrett. I, I think that was a good signing. I, I really do. He gets, I mean, that's a significant amount of money for a defensive tackle. It is, that's but I think year. he's played up to it. Yeah, I think Grady Jarrett's been been outstanding for them. They are planning for their future i think the atlanta falcons they they're plotting now <laughs> you know i i really do think that they're they're starting to to make the significant moves and create the cap space 
They're, they know they're eating a down year this year. They fully understand that. They are fully on board for it. Um, the Falcons didn't make a lot of moves. A lot of They didn't make a lot of noise this offseason outside of the Matt Ryan trade, but they still had to eat a significant dead cap hit to trade him. I think they understand that they have to quietly make moves mm-hmm. and, and kind of take a step back this year and just eat the bad year before they can get down to business. So this move, I think it was a smart one. They, they locked down a key centerpiece to that defense for a few years just so they can start the, what is essentially the big, uh, a very big rebuild in Atlanta. Um, the Steelers right now are currently conducting second rounds of interviews for the new general manager position. I'm, the reason I bring this up, you knew your general manager was going to retire after the NFL season or after the NFL draft. You knew this months ago. So why are they just now conducting interviews? No, they or have the, been. They just they just haven't. They they've been conducting interviews for months. But here's the problem: like you're only in the second. Like I would have a GM named already. Like like you right now they don't have a general manager. There is no general manager on this team. Like, no, this, it it doesn't make sense. I would have had somebody hired that you knew your general manager's last day was the NFL draft. You have no general manager. What? Hire somebody for fuck's sake. I, I, I thought that the, they, and you know, I get you, you're trying to leave no stone unturned and whatever else, but make it happen. Hire somebody. It just, they're, I feel they're like look, it's, they're just it, looking goofy right now. It is. It's goofy as fuck. You have no general manager. Silly, silly shit. And then last but not least, our last bit of news before we jump into our draft grades after the break, but um, the Bears have released quarterback Nick Foles. Uh, he goes out the door. Does Nick Foles catch on somewhere? Does he become a starter? Yep, Seattle. What? Seattle. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, given his experience, I can't say that I would. I can't say I would be surprised because I could see Pete Carroll like making a move. And you, you know what? Now that you say it, Pete Carroll, we don't plan to make a trade for a quarterback. (laughs) A trade for a quarterback. Oh dear God! Nick Foles or Ryan Fitzpatrick will be signed by the Seattle Seahawks. Oh dear God! And do you think they're going to be the starter? I mean, given the competition, yeah. <laughs> Maybe even Andy Dalton. You know, I didn't. I didn't even think about. It. I wasn't even thinking about putting two and two together there. Wasn't even thinking about it. And then as soon as you said it, it was like, oh god damn it! <laughs> like right away. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Well, he'll get paid. He's already going to get paid his significant amount of guaranteed money from the Bears. So, I mean, yeah. I, no, I'm I'm actually kind of happy that uh, really the the um, the Bears have hired Ryan Poles as their their uh, general manager because he has made some crazy ass moves that I just don't completely understand or agree with, and I'm like, man, 
glad he's not in Minnesota because uh, I'm glad I would. I'm glad he's not in Minnesota because I was dead ass wrong about that guy. As it stands right now, he is not impressed as a general manager. Not at and, all. And, Frankly, Quasey's been questionable too, but I'll talk about him shortly. But yeah, uh, I, I just Nick Foles. God damn, god damn. But that's our news around the league. Uh, Tyler, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we've got our our draft grades for the this uh, past draft here. Um, we're going to just du- jump down the list. We're going to jump down in alphabetical order. We're going to talk about every team's draft and where we think they they uh, graded out. Uh, we, we've got a lot of things to chat about. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. And then, uh, yeah, we'll jump into our gra- draft grades. And uh, we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's your time massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. And welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I'm your host, Tyler Dean. Boo that man, boo! And it's just me. I'm, I'm Scott had to leave, so um, we'll just keep going away and get through these draft grades. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, I'm your your uh, co-host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown. Tyler, draft grades. We went through the NFL draft. Uh, and we are, what, but just just about two weeks removed here uh, from the NFL draft, and, and uh, we had ourselves a very, very fun draft weekend. We've got some draft grades we want to go over. We're going to talk about a few of these uh, these moves. That team's made, um, and we're going to go right down alphabetical order. Just jump into them. I want to jump right in. Arizona Cardinals is where we're starting out. Let's talk about this this draft. Trey McBride is the they say they didn't have a first round pick, so so we jump right in round two. They get yeah, Trey they McBride. Gave, they traded it. Yeah, they traded it away in order to get Hollywood, which I I was surprised by, but I, I digress. So Trey McBride, I think is is kind of their. Their, um, I guess, marquee guy that they wound up getting, and it's kind Which of a feels confusing. odd. Yeah, I mean, you you had better in tight ends. You know, you have Max Williams, you have Zach Ertz. Eh, eh, I, and then it's also a reach. I mean, he was the 60th overall player. You got him at 55. I don't know. I I don't think Arizona had that good of a draft. I think they had a bad one. I mean, they they flipped their first round pick to get Marquise Brown. Good for you. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's uh, like like Pro Football Focus right now has this as a B-minus draft. I don't even have it that close. I, I'm, I've am i got this as a C, maybe a C-minus draft. Yeah. I, just, I don't buy this. I mean, do, do you buy this? I don't. I, eh. I, I don't particularly like their draft. And, and on top of it, I think they overpaid for trading for Brown. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly on that. 
Like I mean, uh, they, they put it, let me put this in perspective. The Ravens got more for Brown than the Fal- Falcons got for Matt Ryan. Exactly. So that should say something. And I understand Brown's a younger player. I don't know. I, I think the the Cardinals got played by the Ravens here, and and I think that that the Ravens did a great job playing the the, the Cardinals like a fiddle. Yeah, you know, they got away with one. So, eh, eh. I'm I'm not completely sold on this Cardinals draft. I I think that was kind of a silly. So I think that's a way too high of a grade by Pro Football Focus saying a B minus. Eh, no. I'm I'm going to call this like a C C minus. I just I don't buy this. I just don't. Um, next up, we're going to the Atlanta Falcons. This is a team that I was surprised with their first move, but I'm not mad at it. Wide receiver Drake London was their big round one pick at, at number eight overall. But I, I'm more interested in like the other moves that they made, too. I mean, Arnold Ebiquete was a great pick, the edge rusher out of Penn State. Awesome pick at, at 38 overall. Then at 74 overall in round three, Desmond Ritter falls to them. I mean, they it's a wound good, up good spot picking, for Ritter. I mean, they they could they could have we could be looking at a team that that's got their future quarterback lined up. Right, and then also uh, Tyler Algier. I I mean, a guy out of BYU. He's a running back. A lot of people not talking about them. I mean, they they did everything that they were supposed to do. They went out and filled a, a ton of needs. The only need that they have left, and, and this is the only question on, on the Falcons right now as far as like a team need, they desperately need offensive tackles on that team. So, I mean, they they had themselves a really good draft, though. I, Pro Football Focus gives them an A. I think it's a little high. I'm going to give them an A- um, because they didn't get the offensive tackle that they need. But ultimately, they had themselves a really great draft. Yeah, Atlanta was definitely one of the better ones for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, and now here comes your boys. And I want to say right now, right off the rip, Baltimore was, I mean, they're saying Baltimore might have had the best draft out of anybody. I think it's kind of between them and Kansas City. Uh, but you guys. Yeah, I, yeah I don't know if I'll call it the best, but um, for sure top five, I would say. Yeah, I getting Kyle Hamilton at 14 was, I mean, him just falling to you like that was a steal. You guys get a yeah, center. Yeah. I don't usually uh, agree with the um, best available mentality, but this is a situation where it made too much sense not to. Oh, no doubt. I mean, this guy was ranked as a top four player. I mean, uh, as, as a, as a prospect, he was a top four prospect. So he falls to you at 14. You take him. I mean, it's, 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 it's funny too. Cause you remember the last show I was on, um, you, you remember me saying that, uh, that, um, Kyle Hamilton was the only other player I, I could envision going number one overall. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, here we fact, are. I got him at 14. The fact that he fell is mind-boggling. Uh, and and then you get Tyler Linderbaum, the center. Uh, he, you guys number one need ranked center. center, correct? Yes, he is. You guys needed a center, and you got the number one ranked center. He falls to you at 25. A lot of people, myself included, um, in my big board, I had him going later. But, uh, you know, a lot of folks had him. I, I thought he was going to go in the teens, honestly. Uh, I, I could see it. Well, he drops down to 25. So he goes in the range that I thought he was going to go. I didn't think he was going to go to Baltimore, though. He winds up dropping to Baltimore. Uh, and then in round two, you guys get David Ojabo. Now, look. I, this is an interesting Jason, one. It's exciting because he fell to you. I'm not excited because of the injury. I have questions about him coming off the Achilles. But the, he's saying he's going to be ready by week one. 
So I, I, I think that's a um they are they are the rumor is that the that Ravens brass is is uh, hopeful that he'll play for half the season. Right. Which if Maybe. that happens, this pick goes. Um, there's still a lot of ifs because he's still not at full speed yet. Obviously, I mean we're only in May, but um, if he plays for half the season at 85, 90 percent of what he, what he was expected to to be, then this turns into a much better pick um, um than we were originally talking about. But exactly. And and he misses the whole year, and but then in in year two comes off playing as he was expected to play in year one, it still becomes a good pick. But but again. Achilles is one of those um, gnarly injuries. Yes. So the is. question marks are there, but I think the uh, ceiling is also very high. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And and it's, a guy, it's such, who, a, it's such a it's such a wide range of of uh, basement to ceiling on this one. Yes. Yep. And and I thought you guys also got some steals in in other spots too. I really like the Daniel Falele pick out of Minnesota. I thought he was a rock solid uh, pickup there. I mean, you see how you guys massive got... that man is. Yeah, big boy. Big it boy. now makes him the largest um, active player. Yep, and then also uh, Travis Jones. Like that guy was graded as a first round talent. I just want to point that out. And you guys got him in the third round at pick number seventy six. Everybody said, oh, he's just a run-stopping tackle, and, and that's all you heard about, about Travis Jones. And I thought, you know, this guy could go first round. He goes and slides to the third. I mean, he had he had he was one of those guys that had had the range to either go in the first or drop down to the third or fourth round. He drops to the third round, and you guys get him at 76. So, I mean, I it, thought you guys had a great draft. It's, it's wild because um, if – if the and and it seems like medicines are getting better to where these injuries aren't as bad as we as they used to be. Um, right. If the ceilings are met with a jabo, you're you're talking about a potential here where Ravens um, got four uh, first round talent players potentially. Yeah. Right, and and also, uh, and I I want to point out, you guys also got the top punter in this whole thing too. I know it's a silly thing to be excited about. But, but for, fourth round is not too bad for that. Um, I was mad about it at first, but as I kind as I kind of had let the draft kind of settle a little bit, and just thinking about um, because uh, Sam Sam Cook is is still a very good punter, but we are talking about him coming up on forty. I mean, he's not going to play forever, right? And you don't draft it, even though it's fourth round, you don't draft a punter to not retain him. So I I I do believe Sam Cook does get cut. You think he gets cut this season? Yeah, you're not you're not you're not gonna um put you're not gonna put two punters in your 53 man roster. Right. I'm I'm with you on that. Also, uh, so now next but, up, I so want- uh, one more thing on the Jordan Stout thing, um, because there is some more rumors that they're going to uh, also utilize Stout to uh, prolong Justin Tucker's leg, which is smart. Okay, I guess he's you- very good at kickoffs. Oh, okay. So that there, might be the the talk is to um remove kickoffs from Justin Tucker's workload, which because of how much is used in your leg on kickoffs, that that would in theory prolong Justin Tucker's um leg for a, a significant amount of time. Right, and just keep him keep him relegated to uh 
to field goals and extra points, which is smart. I, I think that's a smart play. A lot of teams do that. A lot of teams will just use their punter for those situations. And not, so not I, a lot of punters can do it, but the ones that, that do, they do utilize that, which it is smart because you don't, you don't need a, a, a top five talent kicker kicking, kick, kicking kickoffs. You don't see kickoffs go, go awry very often. Exactly. Um, I'm going to give uh, your boys, I'm giving them an A plus. I think it's just, uh, um, they had a brilliant draft. Brilliant. Um, DaCosta coming out in, in, in his second second years as the GM, just looking like a million bucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had himself a, a great year. Another great draft. Um, going to the Buffalo Bills, our boy uh, Ray Collins, I know he was he's a Bills guy. He was super excited about certain things. Um, there are some things about this draft I really like. I thought at first I was kind of iffy on Kair Elam going out in round one at pick 23. But looking at Kair Elam and and his PFF grades, the things he accomplished, you know, he was very, very good uh, for Florida this year. And and really, I mean, in 2019, he was good. He's been good against some very stiff competition. So, I, you know, I'm okay with the Kair Elam trade. One thing about that trade that kind of got me is they could have stayed where they were at to get Kair Elam. I think they moved up. They got a little antsy in their pantsy for no reason at all. It just seems silly um, that, that they would move up and make that move uh, just to get a corner that they could have gotten like, two or three picks later. I think they were picking at 26. They they could have stayed put there. Um, so I have I have questions about it. Even Ray and I, we, we were both sitting there going, eh, I don't think they needed to move up, but they did. They get a good corner here. But also in round two, they go and get Dalvin Cook's brother, James, who I, I – I mean, a lot of people are saying he's going to be a more durable version of Dalvin. How true that is, we'll see. But James Cook, I thought, was a good pick in round two. Uh, a lot of people talking about Matt Areza. I mean, and, and rightfully so. I mean, I know he's got a hell of a leg, but um, a lot of people talking about him. And then also a lot of people talking about uh, Luke Tenuta out of Virginia Tech the, in round six at pick 209, the offensive tackle. I mean, so I thought the Bills had an okay draft. I, I thought they they got a lot of stuff done that they needed to get done, particularly at the running back position. That was something significant that they needed to handle. Um, and and they went out and got a receiver in Khalil Shakir. I I don't think Khalil Shakir was was the best pick that they could have gotten for the wide receiver position. They I mean they could have done a lot better than him. I think he was a, a you know fifth round prospect. I think at one point. I mean and and they did get him in the fifth round, but. I don't know. I I think there were better guys on the board. Uh, Jalen Naylor was still around there. I I would have maybe been looking in that direction, but I digress. Um, they they walked out with a decent draft. They filled some team needs. They still have some other team needs, but Bills I would give them probably a maybe a B B maybe a B minus. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what what do you think? B B minus. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I I think their draft is okay, but the, it seems like they could have. They they just kind of took players when I mean, they could have gotten better ones in certain spots and and maybe it all pans out for them but it, I don't know it's yeah it was decent it was decent it really was um, next up we got the Carolina Panthers uh, I thought the Panthers had themselves quietly a very good draft oh uh, yeah they had themselves a very good draft uh, getting Ikemakwanu at number six it was a surprise that they got Ikemakwanu given that they were connected to Charles Cross as much as they were. Uh, a lot of us thought they were going to go Charles Cross. You, me, 
uh, Ray, Alex, we all, Alex Deal, we, we all thought, you know, this is going to be Ike Mekwanu all day long, or I'm sorry, we thought there's going to be Charles Cross all day long. Every, every news outlet was saying that Charles Cross was the real deal and a sure thing. And then it goes to Ike Mekwanu. And Mekwanu, and okay, you know, Ike Mekwanu is a good player out of NC State there. Um, I don't think he was the best offensive lineman to come off of the board. I think it sounds from from the sound of things they're going to be using him as a guard. You know, he's really slated as an offensive tackle. So I'm a little surprised um, that he was the pick. But, man, round three, a 94 overall, they get Matt Corral, so they get their quarterback of the future. I'm assuming that's what he is. But look at these two. Oh, yeah, yeah. But look at these two picks in round six. Amari Barno was a guy that, as an edge rusher, everybody had him going like second or third round. They got him in round six at pick 189. But then they also go and get the offensive tackle in round six. Cade Mays out of Tennessee was also set to be like a third-round guy. They get him in round six at 199. Just mind-blowing. Mind-blowing moves. Uh, they they killed it. I thought this was yeah, one solid, of the better yeah, Solid A for me on this one. Yeah, yeah I, w- I would give it a solid A. I'm with you on that. And Pro Football Focus says the same thing. I, I just thought this was a really good draft by them. Uh, just smart by Carolina. Uh, next up, we got the Chicago Bears. Man, I got to tell you, I was not impressed by the Bears draft. I think that they they really took a so – it, it was sort of a, a, a Rick Spielman approach where it was like, let's get as many bites in the apple as we can and see if something hits. This was an, a, a bowling shoe ugly draft. <clears throat> that they had, I was they had a bunch of picks, but um, most of them were on day three. Yeah, most of them were on day three. They had three picks on day two, and they made nothing of them. Nope. I, I really, they they made nothing of them. I I, I didn't like the Kyler Gordon uh, pick out of Washington. Uh, he wasn't even the best the best corner there. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, look how how you know promising this is with Kyler. No, no, no. It, Kyler Gordon was disappointing to me i i think this was just a an iffy pick uh taking brisker i mean they they everybody talks about the value that they got for brisker pff says oh they got great value for brisker i mean they need offense terribly over there they need receivers they got velas jones and that was the the that was the big the big move there i i don't get it i don't i don't get yeah, it i Vellis don't jones like he, he's old too um yeah the oldest oldest prospect in the draft i just i don't know he didn't he didn't even break out till his sixth year in college i mean i just i look at all these picks i'm like eh, this is ugly i think the only one that i would be remotely excited about would be dominique robinson the edge out of miami ohio that would probably be it and and a lot of their uh, pro football focus this is another one they give him a b minus uh-uh, i'm not giving a b minus that's a hard no on this I would be going C minus D plus here on the Bears draft. I just thought it was a really, really bad draft by them. Um, not stoked. What What do you think? No, not not fantastic. It it just everything just kind of screams bleh. Yeah, C minus D plus. I think that's where we're at there. Uh, next up, we got the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals made some moves that were it's- a little surprising. It's weird. Like for me, it off the top. I, I feel like they 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 did well with the Daxton Hill dra- um pick, but I feel like the wheels kind of fell off after that. 
Yeah, they didn't fill a lot of their team needs in this draft. I mean, I understand they need defensive backs. I know Daxton Hill is kind of a, you know, he's a a, a tool player that you can kind of just maneuver around and and put him at safety or you can put him at corner or whatever else, and that's great. And and I think that's kind of what they were looking at was his versatility. But you know, they, I and they went after Cam Taylor Britt. I I think they're they're kind of fired up about the excitement of they're getting ready to move on from Eli Apple. I don't think Eli Apple, unless he has some sort of breakout monster year, I don't think Eli Apple is with the Bengals after this season. And I also think that they're preparing to lose at least one of their safeties uh, in the upcoming off season as well. And Daxon Hill is going to wind up filling that mm-hmm. role. I think the hope is, is that Daxon Hill in the meantime is going to play corner. And, and maybe be a slot corner, which he was with the University of Michigan, which is great. And this might be a very good strategic move. Beyond that, though, I'm not excited about Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska at number 60. I'm not fired up about that. And he's improved his PFF grade every year, and that's all well and great. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Do I think he'll be an upgrade to Eli Apple? Yeah, probably. But, it's, but saying an upgrade to Eli Apple isn't saying much. Uh, am I? Yeah, am no. I, I mean, it's particularly uh, in a certain Super Bowl that uh, he got burned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't buy it. This draft was okay. I give it a B minus. I'm going to make a C. Wow. Well, look at you being all harsh. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we've got the the Cleveland Browns. Uh, The Browns had themselves a rough draft, too. But here's the problem. They didn't have a first or second round pick. So. They they dipped a little bit, but they did make two picks that I really liked. I didn't like their their two round three picks at all, uh, their first two round three picks rather. I liked the David Bell pick out of Purdue, the wide receiver. Um, they got him at pick ninety nine, and I also liked Perrion Winfrey, the defensive lineman in round four at one hundred eight. I thought both those selections were really nice selections for them, given the uh, the circumstances. They they got those guys. As a steal, Bell fell down boards. We know that he he dropped considerably. Yeah, I I, I actually like this a lot. Yeah, not that uh, that one I like. I'm I, I'm with you on the on the on the round three picks. It, it, it took them late in the draft to really start taking off on, on how things were looking for them. Yeah, and and a lot of people are going to be making you know a big deal about Alex Wright at at seventy eight. He was. Uh, one of the best graded edge rushers, according to Pro Football Focus, but you know, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not sold on him. Uh, out of UAB, come on, like like we're we're gonna get excited about that. Give me give me a break. <clears throat> but uh, Cleveland, I'm gonna go ahead and give them a C plus here. I I think that's about where they go. I think they had an yeah, all right draft. I'm with you on that. They they had a, an all right draft for a team that didn't have a first or second round selection. So I, I think they got away with one. Next up, we got the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas, uh, oof, oof. bowling shoe ugly would be uh, kind of what it is. I think they did okay in their first two picks. Um, I, and, and actually, really, their tight end in round four, they got Jake Ferguson. They do need a second tight end, so they did fill that role. I don't think Tyler Smith out of Tulsa, even though he was slated to be a first round guy, I don't think it was anything special. I think their best pick of the day was Sam, or the best pick of the draft, rather with Sam Williams in the second round at 56 overall out of Mississippi. Um, Outside of that, 
I look at all the rest of their picks and I'm like, eh, maybe Damone Clark out of LSU will be all right, but I'm not sold on the rest of these guys. What do you think? No, I'm with, I'm with you there. Dallas's draft just kind of felt very Dallas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Dallas has notoriously not been a good drafting team recently. I, I don't really buy this draft. I, I'll give it a C, maybe a C minus. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed on Dallas. Uh, next up, we got the Denver Broncos. This is another one. So, I first of all, I just want to point out that Denver had two decent selections on day two in Nick Bonito and Nick and Greg Dolchich out of Dolchitz out of UCLA, Bonito out of Oklahoma. They get their edge rusher. They get a tight end. Great. They filled those roles. They needed to fill those roles. They were smart. Benito going at 64 was actually a fall for him. I, I had him going maybe like early in the 30s, but for Benito to fall that far to them in the second round, great move. So they get him. But the pick that I saw that I really liked was actually Luke Wattenberg out of Washington at 171. I like that pick a lot. I thought that was a smart move for them, and they go ahead and get a good offensive lineman. Wattenberg's going to be one of those underrated guys that that I think is going to stick around in this league for a while. Uh, they got away with one there. But I, I, I think that the Broncos, for a team that didn't have a first-round pick, given the Russell Wilson trade and everything, I think they they had themselves a decent draft here. Yeah, um, without the, the 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 sexy round one pick, they, they they came out of this looking pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I think they and they really judging their draft off that, like with the understanding they didn't have a first round pick. This is an A. This is an A minus for me. I, I'm kind of with the pro football focus on it. I'm going to call it a B plus. I'm I'm in that range. Um, but, but I, I, I can't quite give it an A minus, but I think a B plus, I think we're right in the same, the same neighborhood there. Uh, Denver, you know, they, they pulled it off. They pulled it off in spite of not having, and, and George, George Payton did a great job, uh, with this, this, uh, draft here. Um, next up a big draft winner, the Detroit lions. I thought these guys killed it this year, uh, especially with their first three picks. You know, obviously, Aiden Hutchinson, we knew as soon as Aiden Hutchinson was, was, we thought he was going to be number one. As soon as we heard he was going to fall because Trayvon Walker was going to go number one overall, we knew Detroit was going to take. I mean, I, I thought that was a no-brainer at that point. He falls, good for them. Then they trade up, and the trade up with the Vikings, they absolutely raped the Vikings on that trade. And I'll, I'll get into that when the time comes. But they get Jamison Williams, which, I mean, even in spite of the ACL tear, I think that he's a guy that takes over a game. And I, I think the Lions got a great, great receiver. He's going to be something special for them. And then they go out and get the edge rusher Josh Pascal out of Kentucky at 46. So they got two great edge, edge rushers now for that defense. And they got a great, a great uh, wide receiver. And then they gave Kirby Joseph at 97, who is also a really good value pick. I really thought that they killed this draft. I really do. Their first four picks were freaking phenomenal. The trade, they raped the Vikings on the trade. This is an A plus draft for me. They're gonna be they're, they're gonna they're gonna be very young at receiver, Jameson Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown, who took off late this season. Oh yeah. And you and you have uh, DJ Chark, who's not as good as as he as we all initially thought he was, but on a team that's going to have now three good receivers, he, he's going to do well enough. 
Yeah, and I, I think he's going to be the number three, to be honest with you. Yeah, oh, I think, yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, I think he and was. Then, and, yeah. and then he's still got uh, Hawk. Yeah, he's still got Hawkinson hanging around. So I, I, I see the Lions. I think they had an A-plus draft. I thought that they— Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you 100% on that one. They didn't do shit in free agency. But then in the draft, they absolutely slayed the day. I thought it was it was outstanding. Uh, next up, the Green Bay Packers. They made some interesting moves. I was a little surprised. So they go and get Quay Walker out of Georgia at pick 22, which they needed another linebacker. They fills a, a significant draft need for them. I get it. That's good. They did go out and and get the defensive lineman, Devontae Wyatt. Okay. They, they needed a defensive lineman. That's fine. They traded up with the Vikings in round two. And I'm a little surprised that they wound up getting Christian Watson as their wide receiver, given some of the receivers that were still on the board. Mm-hmm. A little surprised by this move. A lot of people are really fired up about Christian Watson. Me, I'm like, oh, okay, well, they got Christian Watson. So I feel like like even though they, they again, smack the Vikings around a little bit as far as that trade goes, and the Vikings gave them up a weapon, a weapon, I think Christian Watson was the weapon that was like, eh, they didn't really give him that much because Christian Watson, Watson to me, isn't anything special. Uh, they also got Sean Ryan in round three out of UCLA. So I thought those four picks, the Watson one being the least, you know, exciting one to me, I, I was like, okay. But Walker, Wyatt, and Ryan, I thought were three really good picks there. I, I thought they, they, you know, really kind of took the bull by the horns there. Um, pro football focus gives them a B plus. I'm giving them a solid B here. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I agree. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Watson was anything spectacular there. Um, but they, they still added a weapon that Aaron Rodgers needed. So uh, next up, you got the Houston Texans. Look, I do not like Derek Stingley at number three overall at all. I, I like Stingley, not at three. Not at all. Not at all. Not even close to three. I also didn't like Kenyon Green at 15. I thought that was a massive reach. I don't understand what in the hell the Texans were doing here, just reaching on the players that they did. Um, they they got John Mechie, which I like John Mechie. I think he's the re- – you know, everybody's talking about Jamison Williams. John Mechie's a good receiver, and he's going to be a good receiver for this team. I, I like John Mechie. I didn't like the Jalen Petrie pick out of out of uh, Baylor. I did like the Christian Harris pick, the linebacker at round three at 75. Uh, Christian Harris out of Alabama. I liked that pick a lot. I thought that was that was probably one of the better picks of this draft. Don't you? Yes. I, I thought it was just a, a smart pick. Uh, they they got away with one there, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally fired up for that one. So Houston, I, I mean. Pro football focus for whatever reasons over here giving a B a B plus. I think they're high. Uh, I'm giving them a, maybe a C plus, maybe a solid C. Um, C minus it was an on my end. Yeah, I mean it, it filled some draft needs, which is why I'm giving it the C plus here. It it did fill the significant draft needs, but I felt like they reached a lot in this draft. I mean, I thought that was the story of their their whole draft there. So yeah, we're gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and give them a C plus. You give them the C minus. Uh, next up, we got the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Colts didn't have a first-round pick. They traded him away as uh, 
part of the Carson Wentz trade last offseason, so we know that. But I don't know how I feel about the Colts draft. Um, Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, the wide receiver in round two at 53, uh, uh, iffy. Jelani Woods out of Virginia as a tight end at 73. I'm eh, not entirely sold on that. Uh, I like the Bernard Raven pick, especially, at, I mean, round three at pick 77. I'm surprised he went that far. I'm surprised he fell as far as he did, don't you? Yeah, I I am. I, I, I'm not sure how he managed to get him and what, what the other teams were thinking and letting him fall that far, but, hey, I mean, take it as a win. Yeah, I mean it's a huge win. I mean Raymond, he, I mean, and they they understand they have got injury concerns, and and there's a lot of teams that had injury concerns about him, but for him to fall that far, and the Colts just to snatch him up, I think that's the one move that really saved their draft. Uh, I, I really do believe that. I I think Bernard Raymond was the pick of their draft, but PFF gives them a B plus. I don't. I'm going to go ahead and give him a solid C. I don't I don't think this is, you know, as great of a draft as Pro Football Focus thinks. No, no. I I'm I'm with you. I'm I think like a C C minus. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um next up we got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh first of all, let me just point out I do not like Trayvon Walker at number 1. I just don't. It should have been I, I, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. I I don't understand the Trayvon Walker move, and and I don't understand the random excitement about the guy. Trent Balky was was like all fired up about him, and oh look at look at his uh, uh look at his his uh, uh, athletic ability, and oh it was just the system that that caused the problem. It wasn't him, but like look at his numbers, and you're like I uh, I see a guy that doesn't pressure the quarterback, and I see a guy that doesn't hit home. That's what I see. So Trayvon Walker at one, I'm not excited about. I am excited about Devin Lloyd at 27. I think they got the linebacker that they needed to get. I like the Devin Lloyd pick. And really, I like the Chad Muma pick at, at number 70. The one that everybody should be talking about is Luke Fortner from Kentucky at 65. Between Lloyd and Fortner, I think those were the two best picks out of their draft um, this past uh, or this uh, couple weeks ago. But PFF gives him a C plus. I'm actually on board with that. I, I agree. I'm going to give him a C plus here. Yeah, C plus sounds about right. Yeah, because of the Lloyd and Fortner picks. I mean, those were solid picks. Uh, next up, we got the Kansas City Chiefs. Little surprising of a draft by the old Chiefs here. Um, I, I'm, I'm surprised because they, even though they filled every need that they had, all, all of their top needs. I'm I'm surprised that they came back up into the first round. I'm surprised that they just went so top heavy. And I'm also surprised by some of the, the value picks that they got. Trent McDuffie at 21 was a value pick. George Karloftis out of Purdue at 30 was a value pick. Sky Moore out of Western Michigan at 54 was a value pick. So they get corner edge wide receiver. They fill those roles. Leo Chanel at 103 in round three. I mean, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. That was a value pick. Darian Kennard from Kentucky, the tackle at 145, great value pick. They got some great value out of every pick that they made. I mean, outside of maybe the Brian Cook out of Cincinnati pick. They had a great draft. They had a wonderful draft. Great value. It hit a home run. Oh, yeah. 
this is an A plus draft to me. I I yes. don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind. Every draft pundit out there is saying this is an A plus draft. I think this is an A plus draft. I mean, I think we're on the same the same boat there, right? Yes, hundred percent. Oh yeah. Now a team that screwed the pooch on the draft, in my opinion, we're going to talk about the Vegas Raiders. Um, they didn't have a first and second round pick, so you know we got to bear that in mind. I thought Dylan Parham was a good pick, and I thought Zamir White was a good pick. Beyond that, every other player on this board, Neil Farrell, Matt Butler, Tara Munford, Britton Brown, they all underperformed this past season. They were all questionable in the uh, uh, combine. Um, Tayer Munford did not perform well in a lot of those situations in particular, even though he was slated as a, a solid guard for Ohio State. Yeah, I, I don't think the, the Raiders made out with one here. PFF gives them a B plus. I strongly disagree with that. I'm going to go ahead and give them a D plus here. I'm going to give them a C just because, I mean, taking into account not having the first and second round picks, the third and fourth rounders that they got that were that were steals to me um brings them at, into at least decent passing grade. You you think that gives them a C ter- C territory, huh? Yeah. Wow. wow. Surprised. Um. Next up, we got the Chargers, and and they go and get the guard that I thought they were going to get is Zion Johnson out of Boston College. I thought that was a smart move. They needed an interior uh, offensive lineman. They go and do it. I like the move for Isaiah Spiller at, in round four on top of it at 123. I do like that move a lot. I thought they got a great player there. The tackle, Jamari Salyer out of Georgia I, at 195. I thought they got a great pick there. The Chargers had a decent draft. It wasn't anything to write home about, but they did get some good players out of this, and they did wind up getting some uh, really good value honestly. And, and JT Woods, the, the round three pick, they didn't have a second rounder. They got him in round three at pick 79. Eh, I, I, I'm iffy on it in round three. It's like, okay, that's fine. Um, I, I'm going to go, you know, pro football focus gives them a B. I'm going to go ahead and give the Chargers a C plus. I, I thought it was a a decent draft, but I didn't think it was anything to write home about. Yeah, I, I really like the Isaiah Spiller pick. I think it's going to add a really cool dynamic in, in their run game. I agree with that. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm going to be minus. Wow. Okay. I mean, and, and the Spiller pick, I think it, I think it's going to definitely help Austin Eckler in that situation, given the, the injury issues that Eckler has. Uh, do you think Spiller winds up taking over as the, the uh, top dog there? I do. I think. I think. And 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 I don't think Eckler's going to have any less of yards. I think they're going to really allow Eckler to excel in in that change of pace role. Right. Yeah, that could very well be the case. Um, now a team that really did not have themselves a very good draft. We're going to talk about the L.A. Rams. Um, the Rams, you know, they're they're kind of riding high after the the Super Bowl win, and rightfully so. And I get that they're really excited about the fact that they won a bowl, and they're not really looking for much in this draft. They didn't have any round one or round two picks, um, but they they did have a round three pick, which they used on Logan Bruss out of Wisconsin, the offensive tackle, which I thought was really their only major selection to me that was worth talking about. Um, after yeah. that, yeah, I don't think any of them were were spectacular. Uh, I just this draft just it was flat to me. 
I'll, I'll just flat out say it was just flat. I, I give it a D. I thought it was probably one of the worst drafts that happened this, this season. Believe it or not, it's not the worst. But No, was- I, I know my worst is. It's still yet to come. Oh, oh yeah. Um, but uh, I'm going D+. Plus. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely there on that draft. Another draft I'm not entirely there on, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they got a good pick. They didn't have much for draft picks. They only had four four draft picks this year. Uh, so that, but they made the sort of made the best of it. I did like the Channing Tindall pick. I, I thought that was really solid. The linebacker out of Georgia at 102. The rest of them, and a lot of people are excited about Cameron. Good, good for them. But I'm not. So, uh, yeah, I, the Dolphins. I mean, given the circumstances of only having four picks, and they were all late picks. They were round three or later. I can give him a B minus here. I'm I'm with Pro Football Focus on that. I can give him a B minus. I was going to see. Why is he? I I don't I I I feel like the pick, the picks they made that there there were player there were better players in those positions they could have gotten. I mean not not by a significant margin but by a little bit. So I mean it was decent. But for for the picks they had, I mean I'm not going to give them anything worse than that. But I, I think a C is about right for me. Okay. And uh, next up we got my Minnesota yeah. Vikings. We we, uh, we we we've seen a lot of this draft. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. So I thought the Vikings got raped by the Lions in round one there. They traded down. They get Lewis Seen out of Georgia. Not a fan. Uh I, I just I don't know how I felt about it. I, I understand Quasi is is moving around to try and, and <clears throat> get value there. Uh, look, first of all, folks, I, I just want to point something out and, and this bugs me and it's going to bug me, um, moving forward every time someone say, uh, says it on, uh, on Twitter or whatever else. And, you know, the Twitter trolls were out in full force after this, this Lewis scene pick <clears throat> Lewis scene was the second rated safety. Okay. If you were going to get a safety, you could have gone out and gotten, you know, Kyle Hamilton, he would have fallen to you. Yeah, you, you, would, you, you would have had him at 12. Yeah, you would have had him at 12. So you would have gotten the best safety out of this draft. And there's a lot of Vikings fans. And, and when I said, wait a minute, Kyle Hamilton was falling to you. He fell to you at 12 and you traded out of the spot. And a lot of people were saying, well, Lewis Seen is the best safety out of this draft. You need to watch tape. You need to watch the tape on, on Lewis Seen. Let me make something clear. Number one, for all you people, fuck it. You know, Tyler, it amazes me. All these fucking Vikings fans suddenly are just fucking tape junkies, apparently. They just sit at home and they, they fucking are watching tape on Lewis Seen. Did you know that? We got a bunch of fucking tape junkies in Minnesota. It just <laughs> blew my mind. Like you motherfuckers are sitting at home on your fucking couch watching tape of Lewis Seen. Give me a fucking break. You need to watch tape. Y'all motherfuckers aren't watching tape. Shut up. Everybody fucking knows that. Come on now. But Lewis Seen, I mean... Is he a good safety? Sure. Are they expecting him to be the 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 next Harrison Smith? Maybe. Is he going to be playing next to Harrison Smith as the start of this upcoming off season or this upcoming season? Probably. Did I like the pick? Not really. I think he was the 26th overall prospect, and you got him at 32. Okay, the value's fine. You could have gotten Kyle Hamilton at 12. You could have gotten the fourth best prospect at 12. <clears throat> right. So, I mean, I, I would have rather taken Kyle Hamilton here. And then I really honestly – so you got Andrew Booth at 42. And the Vikings 
were trading all over the place. And I, I think Quazy panicked. I think he backed out of that spot for Christian Watkins, and they gave the, the Packers Christian Watkins and then panicked and had the Colts take advantage of him so he can move up and grab Andrew Booth at 42. It just was a silly decision. I thought would have fallen to us at 46 at that point. To be honest with you, if you were getting him at 42, I think Andrew Booth falls to us at 46. I think Quazy got a little too antsy in his pantsy. I think he moved down, realized uh, maybe that wasn't the best move, and then moved back up too far. You should have just stayed at 46, and you could have gotten Andrew Booth and, and, and just stayed with your original draft pick. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, it's good that they filled the, the, the uh, void that they have at corner. I'm okay with that. Do I think Andrew Booth was the guy? No. If you wanted a safety so much, you could have taken Hamilton at 12. To me, I would have rather had Trent McDuffie at 12. But maybe that's just me. And then in round two, Ed Ingram, eh, okay. That was a fifth-round prospect. And Ed Ingram's got a lot of off-the-field questions uh, and and a lot of stuff about you know sexual misconduct and whatever the case may be. Vikings say they're they're comfortable with the player. Okay, good for them. But I thought I thought you could have gotten this guy in in the fifth round. It just seemed like a reach. And then you go the the one pick that I was really fired up about that I really thought the Vikings hit a home run on was at pick sixty six. They got Brian Osimo out of Oklahoma. I thought that was a spectacular pick. Um, they filled the linebacker role, and then the other one I got really excited about. Look, I know the numbers don't dictate it, and and I know you know a lot about this guy. But I think wide receiver Jalen Naylor out of Michigan State was a really solid pick at 191. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was he was really good as well. <clears throat> I think the Nick about, Muse pick could quietly be a good one too. Yeah, it could be. It really could be at 227. Uh, I'm not fired up about this draft. I, I, I'm kind of – I thought Quasey, and you said it, you're talking off the air. And and I, I didn't think all that moving around was necessary. I didn't – the Lewis scene pick, I wasn't fired up about it. To me, you could have gotten Trent McDuffie, you know, at, at 12. You could have gotten, you know, Hamilton at 12. And you could have still gotten your corner at 46 if you really wanted to get Andrew Booth and take the safety. I mean, there was a million things you could have done here that would have been better than what the Vikings did. Um I, and and really, they could have sold a lot less draft capital to make it happen. It's an okay draft. I give it a B minus. I'm just I'm not entirely sold on what happened here. I, I'm I'm with you on a B minus. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sold on what happened there, and and I'm hoping Ed Ingram turns into a good interior offensive line. <laughs> that's that's the hope. I I just yeah, God, Vikings fans on Twitter. For Christ's sake, quit telling people to, oh, you need to study tape like you're sitting at home watching fucking tape on NFL prospects. Because you're not. You don't know dick about half these prospects. You didn't look up anything. What you know is the same thing that I know about certain prospects. You probably didn't even look up tape on Lewisine. You probably just looked at what the draft scout said after he was drafted. You probably (laughs) weren't even looking at the guy. So just shut up with that bullshit because you people are so full of shit, your eyes are brown. Okay? So that's my rant on that shit. Now, next up is my worst draft. Failure. Oh, my God. This is the worst draft of the entire thing. F. Uh, First of all. F. F. Yes. I'm I'm 100% with you. F. 
just uh, mind-blowing. Cole Strange out of Chattanooga, the guard at 29 overall. You could have gotten him in round five. I, I just, it was, the, the Rams were laughing at him in a, in a draft party, laughing at him. Uh, at Bill Belichick and company doing making this move. I Billy's Bailey Zappi at 137 and when Sam Howell is still on the board. Yeah. Uh the the one I was fired up about, the only one, the only player that that I'd be fired up about if I was the New England Patriots would be at 245, Andrew Stuber out of Michigan. I like him a lot. Outside of that, I thought this draft was an absolute goddamn mess. PFF gives it a D. I give it an F. I think it was an awful draft. What a can, terrible job. Can we can the- we finally stop this narrative that Belichick is some god player scouter? He's never been. No, he hasn't. And and, and people go off about how, how he, he he can find good talented players. Like no, Bill Belichick can create players. Oh yeah, create talent, but he can't find talent. No, and and. He's proven that on several. Like, it, it's possible that Cole Strange um, ends up being the best guard in in the league because he, he's got a coach like Bill Belichick, but he's not going to start off that way. No, I thought this was a bad a bad draft, and and I I think the Patriots like a lot of times they're like they don't understand value for a pick. You know, like like you could have gotten that guy at in the fifth round and still had the same player. Like they just it, take just, players they like. Yeah, why? Well, regardless that of what guy. round it is. And it happens all the time. You know, you see it every now and then, but like the Patriots consistently do that. It's like, what the fuck? What are we doing here? Seems, seems silly to me. Uh, next up, you got the New Orleans Saints. They had themselves a decent draft. They only had five picks. I, I wasn't a big fan of their round two pick and Alante Taylor out of Tennessee, but their first two picks were the rock solid ones. I like the Chris Olave pick, and I do like the Trevor Penning pick. I like both of those selections. I had Chris Olave going here. I, I actually had him going later, though. They came up to get Olave. I'm, su- I'm surprised they came up. I thought this one, they got a little antsy. They jumped up to go and get him, and it was like, eh, you didn't have to jump up to go and get him. I don't think anybody else was going to take Chris Olave. I thought they got a little jumpy and got a little scared. But ultimately, Olave and Penning were two good picks for them. The offensive tackle, Penning out of uh, Northern Iowa, and Chris Olave at Ohio State. Good draft. It wasn't incredible. I give it a C plus, maybe a B minus. Uh, that's kind of what the uh, pro football focus. Yeah, I'm, go, I'm 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 in for a C plus. Yeah, I'm I'm with that. Uh, next up, you got the New York Football Giants. Uh, you know, in round one, I thought the Giants did a great job, and then after that, it was an absolute shit show. I just I thought they had themselves a really great round one. They got Kayvon Thibodeau at five. They got Evan Neal at seven. They got arguably a guy who could be considered the best edge rusher and a guy who could be considered the best offensive tackle. And by many people, they are. But then you go down the rest of the line. Wandale Robinson, Reach, Josh, Reach, Flot, uh, uh, Reach, Dan Bellinger, Reach, Dane reach my wheels really fell off on this one after the first round yeah seems like they after that they didn't scout anybody else i mean they just reached the draft on wandale robinson i mean he he was he was uh ranked 125 overall and they got him at 43 
I mean, reach. I mean, I'm I'm convinced the Giants don't know how to draft. Uh, like, well, yeah, because because the two good picks was in, in the top seven. I mean, it's it's hard to screw that up. Right, but I mean, like, think about the others. I mean, I like Kadarius Tony and stuff like that. But I mean, did they really? They reached on Kadarius. So this that was very similar. I I give this draft. I mean. Pro Football Focus giving it a B minus. I'm giving it a C minus, maybe even a D plus. Uh, C. I'm good at the C minus. And next up, you got the New York Jets. So they do a good job here. I gotta give the Jets credit, man. They they rocked it. Um, they had one of the best drafts out of any team. They get Ahmad Sauce Gardner at four, which was expected. They go out and get Garrett Wilson, who is the consensus number one receiver in this entire draft, at number ten. They get Jermaine Johnson the second at 26 as their edge rusher out of Florida State. They get Brees Hall, the, the consensus top running back out of Iowa State. They they killed it. They got three top players at, at three positions. I mean, the, like the number one guys. And then also they got Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State, who I think was good too, at 101. So I, I I'm mean, calling this one of my A pluses. This is one of the A pluses. Yeah. I, their top five picks were just outstanding. Their first five picks. I mean, between Sauce, Wilson, Johnson, Hall, and Ruckert, I thought they had themselves a really outstanding draft. I this is an A plus to me. Uh, Pro Football Focus gives it an A minus. I it's disagree. Better than I, that. This is, yeah, this is an A plus to me. Uh, next up, we got the Eagles. Jordan Davis out of Georgia, the defensive lineman. I mean, a lot of people were really excited about him. Big boy, and uh, yeah, three hundred forty-one pounds of Jordan Davis. I think this was a smart move, and really, to be honest with you. They had themselves a good draft based on the guys that fell. I look, I like, I I like the Nicobe Dean pick falling to eighty three, even though he's hurt. I like the Nicobe Dean pick, um, but the one that not a lot of people are going to be talking about is the center Cam Jurgens. Uh, they call him uh, Beef Jerky. Yeah, he has his <laughs> his uh, uh, his beef jerky company, and he I guess he was bringing everybody beef jerky, but. He's going to be a good center, and I and they and brought on back, top of all that, um, trading for AJ Brown. Yeah, yeah, they did the trade for AJ Brown. Obviously, that was a huge, huge W for them. So they get their number, they get their. I, I guess they have one A and one B over there with the him and Devonte Smith. But I, I the, the Cam Jurgens pick. You know, they brought back Kelsey this year to be their center. So they're going to have Jurgens learning underneath them. I think Cam Jurgens is going to be the guy that they're expecting to be their new starting center. I thought this was a great draft. Pro Football Focus gives it a solid A. I give it an A too. I thought they did a great job. Yeah, it's just under the those the the high echelon teams. I think I, I'm talking like strong A. Like I almost want to call it an A plus. Right. It was it was a solid draft. I think a, like a good strong A. Next up, we got the Steelers. This is another team that had a really good draft. Everybody expected them to go quarterback. I thought it was going to be Malik Willis. All signs were pointing to Malik Willis, and they went Kenny Pickett at 20, which I thought was the better pick anyway. Kenny Pickett's the top quarterback. Which I, I kind of understand why, why because um, what I didn't realize is, well, I mean, it makes sense now, um, but uh, they share a training facility with the Steelers, or right. Pittsburgh University. So um, the Steelers have, has had a very – intimate look at Pickett. Yeah. And, so it makes it sense makes, they've taken him. Makes total sense. And really, George Pickens, I know he's coming off of an early season ACL tear. He's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. They get him at 52, the wide receiver out of Georgia. I thought he was a really good pick. They got DeVar, DeMarvin Leal out of uh, Texas A&M, the edge rusher. 
that and was really a re- the, and really the steal of the draft was Calvin Austin. Yes, he was he was outstanding. At, he's going to be a great vertical threat for them. He's faster than hell. He is fast. I mean, he he lacks size, but man, he is fast. I think he's a big playmaker. That's a guy that you're going to want to see on the field. I, I think it's going to be a really good year for the Steelers if, if Kenny Pickett can get going. They had themselves a really good draft. Uh, Pro Football Focus gives it a solid B+. I agree with them. I think that, that that's where we're at here on a B-plus with them. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. A team that didn't have so such a good draft at all was the San Francisco 49ers. They didn't really have uh, – they didn't have a first-round pick. They did pick Mr. Irrelevant as Brock Purdy, which I actually thought was a really good Mr. Irrelevant pick, to be honest with you, at 262. But um, the only pick that was really worth anything to me, and, and the only one that kind of said, ooh, that was a nice pick, was the Drake Jackson pick out of USC, the edge rusher. They got him at 61. I thought that was a nice fall for him, for to just right in their lap. Uh He's he's a really good pass rusher. I thought the 49ers got a really solid player there. Beyond that, I'm not sold on the rest of their draft. I thought it was all kind of questionable. I mean, Tariq Castro-Fields, Kalia Davis, Nick Zakelli. I, I I just, eh, I'm not sold on the Niners draft. Pro Football Focus gives it a B. I'm going with I'm, a solid C. I was thinking a C. Yeah, I'm going with a solid C here. Next up, we've got the Seahawks. Uh, they actually had a pretty damn good draft. Uh, get the offensive tackle, Charles Cross, out of Mississippi State. You know, it, it was funny. I, I had all these teams taking an offensive tackle, and, and I they had all – What was that? You had them all flip-flopped? Yeah, I had them all flip-flopped. I had all of them going offensive tackle, but I had them all they, – they were it was like a, a three-way trade-off. So, but Charles Cross winds up falling to Seattle at nine, which I thought was a really great pick. Um, and, and I'm surprised he didn't go to Carolina still. But at 40, they get Boye Mafe out of Minnesota, a really solid edge rusher. I thought that was a really nice value pick. They go out and get Kenneth Walker. It was a little bit of a reach. But Kenneth Walker, in my opinion, I had him going first round. I think he's the best running back out of this draft. And, and I, I said the same damn thing about Jonathan Taylor. I'm saying it about Kenneth Walker. He's the best running back out of this draft. I don't give a fuck what anybody has to say. He's going to be better than Brees Hall. I expect that. Um, I also like the Kobe Bryant pick, the corner out of Cincinnati. I thought that was a really solid pick at 109 for them. It was a good draft for Seattle. I don't think they had a bad draft. Pro Football Focus gives it an A-. minus. I'm going to give it a B plus. I think it was pretty reasonable. I'm going to stick with an A-. minus. I yeah. think they got some good value there. I, I I like where things are headed. I'm curious to see how it all comes together. Yeah. Right. Hey, and and it, we know how he how he does things over there. Pete Carroll over there in Seattle. We know how he can put the the pieces together in an interesting way. So yeah, Seattle. They they wound up with a, a pretty solid uh, draft. I, B plus A minus. I'm in that range. Um, next up, you got the Tampa Bay Bucks. They had an interesting draft. They didn't have a first rounder, but they still managed to get some. Well, they real- did, but they traded down only six picks, but gained two, two, a fourth rounder and a sixth rounder out of it too. So I, I think it was a good trade for them. It was a good trade, but they they pick. didn't wind, didn't wind. I mean, they technically got. I wasn't a, a fan of that move at all. I thought the Luke key pick was great. 
Um, I thought the Kate Otten pick out of Washington, the tight end, was a really solid pick for them at 106. I thought that was a really good pick. But the big one for them that I really liked was 157. Uh, they got Zion McCollum out of San Houston State. I really like that move, the corner. Um, he was He was solid. I mean, the past two seasons, he was, you know, a little iffy, but I, I really liked him a lot. I, I think Zion McCollum is going to wind up being a, a solid corner for them. It wasn't an incredible draft. It wasn't a bad draft. I give it a B minus. Yeah, B minus, C plus. Yeah, that's that's kind of the range there. Next up, we got the Tennessee Titans. They go ahead and trade away A.J. Brown, and they go out and get Traylon Burks in the draft, which, eh. I was okay on this move. I thought it was a little bit of a reach. A lot of people thought Traylon Burks wasn't going to fall out of the first round. But Burks, I mean, he he's fills the role. I don't know if he's A.J. Brown caliber, to be honest with you. We're going to find out. But a lot of people are really big on him. Apparently the Titans are too. And they didn't want to pay that big lump sum because of the way that the wide receiver market is trending right now. They didn't want to pay that big $30 million cap hit. Traylon Burks out of Arkansas I thought was an okay pick. They did get Roger McCreary out of Auburn at 35. I thought that was a bit of a reach. McCreary was ranked, I think, the 59th overall prospect. So it was like, eh, okay. Nicholas Petit Frere, another one out of Ohio State. You know, a lot of people were big on him for a while there, but he kind of has fallen off a little. Kind of an iffy pick there. He didn't do well in the combine. Malik Willis, everybody got excited about this as a value pick. I thought this was a great pick. It was a steal. It was a steal. Um, and they also got Hassan Haskins. We know how they like those big bruising type of backs, and Hassan Haskins is that type of back. Was he going to go as an undrafted free agent? I thought so. I think at 131, that's a really early spot for him, but he fits the mold. So, I mean, I understand the pick. Pro Football Focus gives it a B plus. I, I'm not that sold on it. I'm going to go ahead and give it a B minus. Yeah, B minus. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. And last but not least, the Washington Commanders, they go out and pick up Jahan Dotson in round one at pick 16 out of Penn State. I thought this was a massive reach. A guy you could have gotten in the second round. I I just I didn't buy that. It was the biggest reach. One of the biggest reaches on day one. Uh, He was ranked 56 on the pro football focus big board. He drops. Uh, he gets picked really high. I just didn't like that pick at all. Fedarian Mathis out of Alabama was a bad pick. I did like the Brian Robinson out of Alabama at 98. I did like Sam Howell at 144 out of North Carolina. I thought that was a great steal. And I did like the Cole Turner out of Nevada pick at 149. I thought all three of those picks were solid. Is it a bad draft? No. Is it a great draft? No. I think we're talking a C plus, maybe a B minus. Pro Football Focus gives it a C plus. What do you say, Tyler? C plus, uh, yeah. Uh, Sam Howell was a good pick. I think that kind of is a big weight there. I, I'm, I'm good with the C plus. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And those are the the draft grades for uh, this uh, past draft. Now, Tyler, we're gonna head out of here, and in a moment, I just want to give a quick shout out to It's Your Time Massage, our sponsor over there. Man is a wonderful massage therapist. Tyler, you got to get yourself a massage uh, once she gets back up and running. Obviously, it's no secret that that is my wife. That is a the massage therapist, the wonderful Amanda. She is currently pregnant with twins. Twins on the way, Tyler. You and I both have babies on the way. It's craziness. Yeah, within a month but, of each other. Yep. So, you know, I'm sorry, uh, within a week of each other. Yes. Yes. So uh, 
Yeah, we're 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 working on that. But yeah, she's it'll be, be more than a week though, because with the twins, you guys are gonna go early. Oh yeah, but she's gonna be jumping back in, and probably at the beginning of September, maybe even as soon as August. But you know, folks, get book, get yourself booked for a massage with It's Your Time Massage. You can check her out iytmassage.com, or you can go on Facebook at It's Your Time Massage LLC. Also, a shout out to uh, our boys at Face Kicked Apparel. Check it out. Sean Stockmeyer is a wonderful uh, t-shirt guy. He does t-shirts, hoodies, hats, anything you want, you pick it. He sticks it over at facekickedapparel.com. Him and his wife are just tremendous. And then last but not least, I want to give a a quick shout out to our boy Alex Steele at Condor's Gaming Corner. I hope everybody, if you guys are into that whole deal where you can, uh, where you're into, the streaming stuff like that, and you can watch people uh, hit their games up. Condor's Gaming Corner. Hope everybody swings over to that. Also, Big Willie Dubs Gaming. Our boy Will Waters over there. Big Willie Dubs Gaming. Please check them out. Both those guys streaming some of your favorite games. They're very, very entertaining, and I hope you guys get a chance to check them out. Um, beyond that, Tyler, I think we are uh, all squared away for this round. Uh, next time we're going to be on the show, we're going to be talking about uh, news around the league, but I also want to go over the AFC side of things as far as the overall uh, aspect of this past offseason or this current offseason um, and how teams have uh, really shaped out. I want to give our offseason grades. We're also going to be talking a little bit about the schedule release and the things that have gone on. Um, are you fired up? Yeah, I have some homework for you. Oh, we have homework. You have homework. We're going we're gonna to have a very... Uh... Special edition of Freytown's top ten. Really? Because since you're, you're the draft guru, here's what you're gonna do for next show. Okay. Um, wait until we get a little closer because you might have some cuts. You're gonna do right. your your top ten undrafted signees. Oh, okay. I can do that. That's no problem at all. I think that could so be fun. Free agents, huh? That got signed. That yeah, that did didn't get drafted, but got signed. Okay. Yeah, I can check that out. That's no problem at all. So Freytown's top see, 10. See how many how many you can hit on. But, but come, okay. come find our roster. Because right now our roster is like 90 players, but we got to be down to 53. So it's going right. to be a wild offseason. Yeah, we'll get a couple of weeks. I, I know I, in a couple of weeks we're going to see some more of those un, undrafted free agents come off the board. Uh, pe- people are going to be out there uh, signing them. So I will jump in on that, and I will I'll bring that to you on the next show. On the next show, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about, uh, like I said, those off-season grades for all the teams, and then we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, the news around the league. So, Tyler, that is our show, and uh, my friend, we are gonna we're gonna be obviously recording every two weeks, right? So, yep. two weeks from now, hope everybody tunes in. We'll be right back on board. So, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next time right here. On the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz. And be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz. And feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.